Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Awakening Universal Minds. I'm Brother Manuki Amare, a.k.a. Brother Michael. Um, I also have my brothers, uh, Ravana Noon, joining me, Brother Sargidi. Um, just before we begin the show, just a couple quick announcements. Uh, next week on the show, uh, July 9th, we're going to have Brother Panic back on the show. Um, so we'd like to give everybody a heads up on that because that's usually a very long show. So, uh, you know, make sure you eat, have something to drink because that show goes on for for quite a bit. Uh, last time it was five hours, so we want to give everybody a heads up on that. Uh, we'll have Dr. Phil Valentine coming on the week after that, and then Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum followed that. Um, tonight we got a special guest. Let's just make sure we have the sister connected with us. Are you there, sister, Vera Gordon? Yes, I'm here. All right, well, glad we got you connected this time. Yeah. Um, we got sister Vera Courtney with us. Uh, last week we had a little technical difficulties uh, getting in. Uh, Brother Ravana Noon, you there? Brother Ravana Noon, are you there? All right, I see him. He's online. He's trying to call him. Um, so what we're going to do tonight, uh, we had Sister Vera Courtney on a short while back, I believe about six weeks ago, and we were discussing with her, and we're going to continue a discussion on her book, The Age of What I Know, Unmasking uh, the Magicians. Um, just to give some rules of engagement, um, this is not a religious show. I just have to stress that to people before we begin. We do talk about spiritual and religious topics and things of that nature, but this is not uh, a religious show. We we are not promoting any specific agenda here. Um, we're not trying to recruit anybody for anything, so it's an open dialogue. That's why the name of the show is Awakening Universal Minds. So having said that, just want to be clear on that. Brother Ravana Noon, do we got you on the line now? Yeah, I'm here now. Okay. Um, so what we're going to do, Sister Vera Courtney, how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? We're doing good. We appreciate you uh, tuning in. Um, thank you. So if you could briefly, for those that may not be familiar um, with you and your work, could you just briefly introduce yourself and, and kind of let people know where they can get your book? Yeah. Um, yes, my name is Vera Courtney. I um, have a YouTube channel, which is Vera747. I basically take people through my journey on my YouTube channel from Jehovah's Witness to Hebrew Israelite to Christianity to no longer believing in the Bible and actually promoting a book that I wrote called The Age of I Know, Unmasking the Magicians, The Bible Exposed. And so that's where I am now, exposing the very religions that I was once a part of. Okay. Now give people uh, briefly what I found interesting the last time. I mean, everybody obviously has their own, you know, personal journey and, and kind of how they got to the point where they're at in the present moment. Um, but if you could briefly, a bit of your background and, and kind of explain to the listeners what, what led you into this writing this book, if you can give them a, a brief background on what you went through. 
Yes, definitely. Um, I want to ask, Brother, is it okay if I read some excerpts from my book? Um, I think it will express a lot of what my life was like in the Hebrew Israelite movement. I'm sure a lot of, yes, okay, I think that will really clear a lot of things up. My journey began as a Jehovah's Witness. I was reared in it since the age of five, I would say. Our whole lives were a part of this religion. We believed that the whole world was going to die unless they became a Jehovah's Witness. And our religion actually set dates, 1975, all different, probably a dozen dates that the end, that the world will come to an end at Armageddon. And it never did. We're still here. And so right. things like that would make me realize that something was wrong with the religion because they were supposedly ordained by God, the leaders, but yet they were false prophets, according to Deuteronomy 18:28. Um, so I realized that something was wrong, and I started to question it. And in that religion, if you're familiar, you're not allowed to question because if you question, what they do is they make the religion synonymous with God. So if you're questioning the leaders of the religion, then in your mind you're programmed to believe that you're now questioning God and everyone else sees you that way. But I had to be brave because I saw so many things that just weren't adding up. And finally, after, at the age of, I I guess I was 40, I was 39, 40 years old, I started to question the religion that I always thought was the truth. And um, I also had an incident with someone who was a revered man in our church, in our religion, Jehovah's Witnesses. He was a leader, and he was white. His wife was black, and he I bring up in my book how um, he started to make racist comments about black people. And usually I was very passive and reserved, but some strength in me just came up where I just started to defend my people. And I was like, you know, explaining to him that you don't understand the walk that we took. So you can't even, you can't even express where we should be today. So it ensued into an argument. And after that, I just went on a mission to prove why it is that my people are in the circumstance that they are today. And I would praise to God who I thought it was Jehovah. I was like, please, Tell me why my people suffer and what it is that, you know, do you even care about us, you know? And so I asked those things, and I was led to find books and read books that dealt with that dealt with my people actually being the people of the Bible. And so after that, um, guys, everything just opened up. The floodgates just opened up. I finally discovered the computer. I went on YouTube, and I saw sermons of what, what I later learned were black Hebrew Israelites teaching that we were actually the children of the book. Um, we suffered in the diaspora coming to America, and in fact, they showed through Scripture, Deuteronomy 28, that it was our people that were brought here in slave ships as the Bible says, would be a curse upon his people um, and they would be brought into America as slaves, the land of, as swift as the eagle flieth, the land of the north. So everything pointed to us being the children of the book, the seed of Abraham, the whole world conspired against us to hide the secret of descendancy from us, and we are the chosen, and soon God will come back and or Jesus, and he will save us, and we will lead the world, and we will now be on top, and everyone else will be on the bottom. And some of that belief system believed that others would be our slaves, and we would now be the ones who basically sat on the throne. So it became a religion of favoritism, and I started to see certain things that I saw in my former religion, but now I saw it in this religion. And I, and I think I 
I was led to see those things in order for me to evolve. These were steps of initiation to where I am today. And so right. if you don't mind, I, I'd like to read just a couple of things from my book, Dealing sure. with the Hebrew Israelites. Um, sure, definitely. And can okay, you just let people know what page? I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, just sure, definitely. Sure. sure. I'll begin on page 41. It's the third paragraph. There I began. I began to find on the Internet and in person those with this newfound faith. I began to notice as they could no longer veneer their truest of motives agendas and dictatorships upon the weak. Those like me, a descendant of slaves, who now cloaked in this new black Hebrew Israelite identity. I began to uncover these mass of kind veneers and religious piety to in truth be that of a hope self of hope self indulgences. Here too was found schemes, treacheries and the subliminal underlying of desires to impose control and dominate the weak, the very weak that too sought an identity. Scripture, again used as my former religion. This scripture was used and proven to support mutual doctrines of men who in pain retaliated against the closest of victims to them, the black woman. These men retaliating as they somehow felt victimized by the very woman who gave birth to them. They desired subconsciously to oppress all the feminine that would allow them to do so. Scripture used to hate her, hate races and nations not privileged enough to have been born with the said heritage of Father Abraham. Scripture used to brand her and them. Scripture used to condemn her and cover her in tents of t-shirts in order to further lower her value. Mm. availing of the feminine and cloth in order to hide any vision of her beauty she may possess. Women taught to see themselves as the reason for the fall, the lesser of them all. Scripture mm. skillfully used and quoted to affirm her little value in the eyes of the God, Yahweh. Scripture confirming the lowliness of her worth, for as it is said, and they quote it, she was without a mind to interpret or teach Scripture, just as they often quoted Apostle Paul would utter. She was silenced and preached at to walk shamefaced upon the earth that defied her. I bore witness to the YouTube videos of secret sermons, sermons using words of condemnation to races not black. The offering of no biblical hope for those condemned ones, a condemnation with no potential for redemption of the heathen. As this biblically termed and quoted heathen was, as they taught the white man, the descendant of the biblical twin Jacob, Esau. These internet sermons of biblical hurt did not only become a ministering to the black woman, nor only the white man Esau, but also to those of black skin or a black parent who did not have the the now biblical privilege of the pureness of the bloodlines of the Israelite heritage. There were abundance of internet sermons of those with paternal lines of another nation, not being of the black Hebrew Israelite race. In accord with their teachings, the seed and the race of the offspring belonged and was sired only by the father. The sperm of the father, they termed the seed. Thus those who looked in phenotype like me and them, but did not possess a black Israelite father, was now hated and despised and biblically proven to be condemned to death and servitude for eternity. So I bore witness to the denouncing and the death to Bob Marley's of this blackness, whose paternal lineage was not of the so-called Judah man, the black man. Molly was a man whose life's passion was to uplift the black man and seek to awake the minds of their mental captivities. 
Yet in this newfound faith, he, Marley, had no value, not the chosen seed, but as they quoted in verse, a bastard with no value in the eyes of the Bible God, Yahweh. I bore witness to the war of the shades, promoted within this said nation. Hate for those less fortunate as having mixed blood, having lighter skin for having the unfortunate raping of their slave mothers to masters of the American servitude. The war of the shades. National crimes, the turning of trauma and pain of America's brutality, of auction blocks, barters, lashing, hangings, whippings, children sold out of a mother's arms, raping of wives and being given to the master. These internal wars becoming as has always succeeded were the plague of the American black man. These internal wars and strife were the cause of division, fragmentation, and dysfunction, all now furthered by a book that they believe now gave them an identity and the spirit to now unite under one banner of biblically chosen. This was a newfound faith that further destroyed and enhanced that which we all cried for release from, a system that has nearly destroyed and extinguished, and now this faith using its same tactics against us. The extent of this system never realized for its impact by its own victims, my people. A system designed with the motive of utter annihilation upon my people. Its extent having affected the social, economic, and psychological arenas of an American enslaved. These laws systemically ubiquitous in the court and judicial systems, evil injustices from law house to schoolhouse, external and governmental powers of overt sabotage of America a nation of fierce countenance. Sadly, these memories that etch the very DNA of the black man, the now Israelite man, in accord with his newfound heritage, were not enough to garner empathy and deference to be employed to his own people. The lack of the expressions of love they were said to have for the brother man. Instead, there were wars, disputes, divisions, sex, schisms, and misms in the camps of the black Israelite factions. The very act creating the stain of stigmatism, even upon those few camps that did not preach hate, nor condemn a man of another nation. These wars of the loudest, most intimidating, were internet evidences of the madness and sickness suffered among a people in use of religion to now define themselves. Internet shows of spiritual, biblical turf wars in which most and many sought to carry out their agenda. There was the externalization of self-hate upon the brother man, castration of the self and mutilation of the character of those unable to be subdued or even too fearful to protest. I don't know if you want me to go on, but... Before you do, uh, I find find it interesting that listening to, you know, kind of explaining your experience, uh, it's kind of unique how you went from one extreme, as you were talking about earlier, the Jehovah Witnesses, to that. Um, but there's something you said. I just want to back up and, and piggyback on something you said a couple of minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were talking about uh, the individual, the, the the white man that was one of the uh, prominent leaders in, in that, I guess, sect or chapter of the Jehovah Witnesses where you were located being married to a black woman, and you talked about, you know, the in racism, which which when you listen, as I'm listening to you read, and, and I hope listeners maybe – if somebody's listening, still kind of caught up in that religious frame of mind or, or, or kind of can relate to the experience. Basically it's, it's, it's a system of indoctrination regardless because you went from one extreme and, and really all the black Hebrew Israelites are doing is taking that same ignorant spell of religion, faith, and belief 
and, and controlling the minds of people, but all they're doing is sprinkling a little bit of Afrocentricity. And one thing that I find find unique uh, when you were mentioning, and for those that are familiar with the Black Hebrew Israelite Organization, they have what they call camps, which are many different groups that all claim to affiliate with the Black Hebrew Israelite doctrine. But if you are familiar with them, you'll see some of these clowns are fighting amongst themselves. So really you go from one level of chaos, confusion, and ignorance into a whole other level of chaos, confusion, and ignorance. And, and obviously you had, you had some type of epiphany there where you, you obviously went through a transition because something, you know, wasn't right. So it's, 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 people need to understand that. And, and I think the importance of that fact, it, it, it ties into one thing. You, you also mentioned it's a system of control. You're taught not to question. Uh, and, and I want to talk about that for a quick minute. And it's not only in the Jehovah Witnesses, even in the, even in the Hebrew Israelite camps, because even though they claim you can ask questions, but they've also been programmed and taught a certain way of how to teach and talk to people. None of these organizations or religions have, have a set form where you can openly ask questions, because like you said a couple of minutes ago, if you ask questions, then you're, you're persecuted for it, you're ridiculed, because everybody's been trained, their mind has been prepped a certain way. If you don't think like the organization thinks, teach like the organization thinks, then you're painted out to be some type of demon or, or, or you're evil. So can you speak, you can even, if, if there's an excerpt in the book, you could even read that, but can you speak on when you left some of the stuff you went through when you started to separate from these organizations and religions, because there's a lot of people uh, that we deal with and, and, and from all walks of life that were part of these groups, these organizations, I call them cults because that's basically what they are. Um, what, what, what are the, some of the things you went through when you, when you came to the realization and you, and you actually said, I'm, I'm not going to deal with this no more. I'm going to move forward. So can you kind of maybe share that with the listeners? Yeah, it was it was a really hard thing to do, but I, I think my preparation was when I left the Jehovah's Witnesses. I did not foresee that this would be my eventuality where I am today. I didn't see that the group that I was now getting involved with was just an initiation for me to, to grow again. And so when I, when I finally got the courage to leave Jehovah's Witnesses, that was building my momentum to face my fears and, and use that ammunition again to now go against something even bigger because this time my faith was not only knocking on doors as a, as a Jehovah's Witness and amongst people in my congregation. Now I was on the Internet. I was teaching Hebrew right. Israelite doctrine on my YouTube channel. I don't know. I, I it must have been so many people, brother, that came into the faith because of my videos. Right. Um, and you know, so many people were like, "Thank you, you helped me to see that I'm Israel." And so now I had to turn around and say to these very people, "I was wrong." And I heard right. I had to learn how to be comfortable with being wrong. And realize that you can never exhaust truth. And when you when you put yourself in a box such as religion, you, you're saying you figured it all out. And so right. I had to say to my audience, wait a minute, mm, I was wrong. And now here's my proof. And so a lot of people ridiculed me. I have people that 
put on the videos that I was the CIA and <laughs> my brother-in-law that I'm really, I left my husband for my brother-in-law and my husband's Jewish. Like just the most, the, the biggest imaginations you could think of, people were saying stuff about me and right. that I was sent in to disrupt the Hebrew-Israelite movement and all of this speech shenanigans <laughs> and right, stuff. Right. And so I had, to, I had to be strong through it all. And a lot of times it hurt me because my heart's desire through every walk mm-hmm. I was in, was to express love to people and show them. I, fa- I found the cure to cancer, you know? Right. That's what right. my goal was. I found the cure for cancer, and I want to share it with the world. And so when you have people that come against you and they they impugn horrible motives to you and can kind of um, discourage you. So, I, you know, there were a couple, a couple of times where I was discouraged, but the fire that was in me was much stronger than my fear. And so right. I just continued going on. And so then I began, like, you know, to teach against the Hebrew Israelites and, and even against the ones that taught me that I still respect and love to this day. But I had right. to let them know that, you're, you know, what you're sharing is not truth. And so I right. presented this information. And it was rejected by some, but a lot of people wrote me secretly, and they're like, you're, you're telling the truth. At first I thought you were losing your mind. That's what people right. think you're crazy when you don't no longer believe in religion. And they right. said, I gave you a chance, and now I'm with you. I got your book, and now I don't believe in the Bible anymore. I don't believe in religion anymore. And I ha- I've had some people say to me, well, I'll read your book, but I guarantee I'm still going to believe in the Bible. And right. I have to say 99% of them that read my book no longer believe in the Bible because the proof is irrefutable. Once you leave religion, your mind expands where the information that comes to you is able to refute what it is that you believed in before. And so you no longer believe, you begin to know. And that's the difference. All right, that's powerful. Uh, Brother Ravonna, I want to stay on this topic for a quick minute before we move on. I know we can relate to this, um, you know, being part of organizations, the separation factor, uh, kind of, kind of the, the aftermath of it. You want, you want to kind of chime in on this? Maybe you got some answers to Vera. Sure. I mean, uh, after the fact, I remember when uh, I had transitioned out of that phase. For a moment, you feel confused. You feel a little lost, unsure, um, only because it's like everything is stripped away. Nothing is no longer there. And then you look around and. You see people, they're slandering you or some are just shaking their head at you or everything else. So then you start to feel like, did I do something wrong? But then you start looking from the outside back in and you start seeing things for what they really are. And you say, well, I didn't do anything wrong, but I still feel weird. And I think one of the reasons, as we had discussed in one of the shows here, is because there's a void when you're in these organizations, groups, or religions where you always feel there's more to know. And once you've encountered all the knowledge, all the information that that organization has, you always feel that there's a void. Like, there's more to know, but why aren't they giving it to me? Or you start to realize they don't know these things. Or there's some level of confusion or mind control here. And so when you start to break away, because of the mind control, because of the the emotional factor, that's how they really tie us in through the emotional factor. You start to feel kind of guilty. I don't know if you ever felt any of those things, but I know myself and Beniti, we had discussed 
going through that before and feeling those kind of effects afterwards. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, that's definitely uh, key. So, so, you know, definitely we can relate, and I'm sure there's listeners that can relate to your experience in the book. Now, one thing I want to uh, touch with you on, Sister Vera, the title of the book, to deal heavily in the book with the Anunnaki. Um, and unfortunately, when you do research on the Anunnaki or you talk to people that study the Anunnaki or the Babylonian Sumerian culture, uh, some people kind of have a, a misinterpretation that it's uh, some some peaceful doctrine or some ancient mystical doctrine about peace and love. Uh, but when we really study the origin and essence of the Anunnaki and the Sumerian teachings, you you're, one of the heavy themes of your book is you kind of connect that heavily to the Bible stories. You kind of break the myths and, and, and lift the veil on really who these gods of the Bible are because you just said a couple of minutes ago after people have, you know, read your book, maybe you can explain to them what they'll uncover in the book once they find out really who these who this God, or we should say gods, of the Bible actually are. Can you touch a little bit on that and why you chose to focus on Anunnaki? Yes, definitely. Yeah, what I found was that you know, once once permission was granted for me to leave the um, Hebrew Israelites, I started initially. I started to see the duality of this Bible God. I started to see where he would there were contradictions. He would say, "I'm good," and you know, there's nothing bad within me. But then he says in Isaiah forty five seven, "I create peace and I create evil." And then I would also see, you know, I, I, I would hear my people complain about slavery and what the conquistadors did and how they slammed the baby's head on, on rocks and ripped the baby out of the mother's womb and all of this evil stuff and slavery. They hated what happened to us in slavery, but yet they condone it in the scriptures. The very blueprint, the very root, the missing link to every single thing that we hate that happened to our existence as black people stems from the scriptures. And the Bible, God tells you that. You see, he doesn't hide what he does, but when he tells you he's good, he's trying to confuse you so that you don't understand when you're reading the bad that he does. When he says that he will curse us in Deuteronomy 28, when he will allow the woman to be raped, it is he that does that and he told us. But yet when we suffer from these things, we want to blame everyone else but the very one we worship and honor, and he's the one that told us he would do it. So I started to see, what is this, Stockholm Syndrome? Are we loving our abuser? This is the very one who indicts his own self within the very scriptures. Even his name means that he is evil. He is a God of wickedness. And so when I started to uncover, you know, when I started to go back in history, I was led there, and I came to the Anunnaki. And, of course, there's history before the Anunnaki. But when it came to the systems of worship that was set up, set up in this matrix game, it's when the Anunnaki came to the planet over 400,000 years ago. And so they set up this entire system of which we worship today. I started to link their names, the names of the different Anunnaki um characters to Bible characters. Gabriel, I found out what his name meant. Enlil was the god of the prince of the air. And so is the devil in the Bible. He's the prince of the power of the air. 
I started to look at the name Uriel and what the name Uriel means, and it's the same character that's in the Anunnaki tales and characters. And what I realized was that in Genesis 11, we're told that the languages were confused, and therefore people could no longer understand one another. So when languages are confused, logically we realize that names are going to become different. And so these gods were able to hide and cloak and be masked because their names were different in every land of which they traversed and they ruled in. And so you have Nicozita and Thoth. He took his teachings to Mesoamerica. He built the pyramids. You have Ra, who is also Marduk of the Anunnaki. These are all the same gods but with different names. And this is why even in the Bible you have, you have the Bible characters, and yet they have different names depending on what country they lived in. Like when they were in Babylon, even Daniel's name was changed. And so I was able to link the changing and the confusion of language and the names of these gods, and it started to just open up a floodgate of information, and things just started pouring in when it came to the correlations of the Anunnaki the Bible gods, and I began to see how they set up the system and they created the Bible in codes. It's coded. It can help you, but it can also make you ill when you believe in it, when you worship it, when we make it a religion. And so they essentially externalize our worship rather than us going within. And it's very powerful because at the same time, they tell you the kingdom is within. They have their Jesus tell you that. But at the same time, they tell you, praise me, worship me, sacrifice, let blood drip from me because I love blood. And yet we do it. We externalize all our worship. So this is how I was able to correlate all of it. And then all of the religions that exist today, I was able to actually pinpoint where they began and how they began with the Anunnaki and which God was assigned to every single religion that exists on the planet today. And so it became an irrefutable finding. Right, that's powerful. Now, the funny thing is, is as as most people may not know, and as you just talked about, um, there, there's a multitude, especially when you're dealing with the the Old Testament God. There, there's there's a multitude of deities. Most people don't see it because when you're reading it in English, it's kind of hard to pick up. But you'll see various different portions of the scripture, especially in the first chapter of Genesis, where you see a plural of beings being spoken of in a group. Um, something that I find interesting that I want to point out to you, we were talking about Egypt and you were talking about some of the different deities from these different cultures and correlating them to who these gods or gods of the Bible is. Um, A good Bible, and I'm going to read something, and and just a short excerpt. It's from the essays in the back of the Oxford Annotated Bible. And I find this interesting because, one of the very foundation stories in the Bible is the story of the Israelites. Right? Everybody's familiar with the so-called bondage story. But just to kind of confirm what you were just talking about, and, and the reason why I, I would like to do this real quick is because if you don't do the research, you're never going to come to the, to the conclusion of what we're talking about. And, and, and the bottom line is what I find with melanated people in America, and I hate to say this, they're very lazy, and they want everybody to do shit for them. They want to tend to scream for change, but actually they want somebody else, and they want to follow something or somebody to do something for them. And that's why I find how a lot of our people get caught up in these organizations and these groups because it's a place just for them to be lazy, for an example, the black Hebrew Israelites. It's a place just to, you know, use the crutch and blame the white man for all my problems and, and all my shortcomings and why I'm not successful. 
you know, I find that it's mostly a certain mental type of individual uh, that's attracted to these organizations. And it, I find it odd because it seems like it's a cycle that keeps repeating itself. But real quick, um, again, and this is the new Oxford Annotated Bible. Um, you can get this any 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 bookstore. You can get it online, Amazon. The reason why I would recommend, if you're doing research on topics that we're talking about tonight, the reason why I would recommend this is because the back of the book, the history and the essays, um, goes into depth about the history of some of these Bible stories. Now, here, these are Christians. These are European Christians. When you read the translators, some prominent reverends, so-called evangelists, and religious scholars who put this translation together, here's, the, here's one of their theories on who the Hebrew Israelites are. Okay, this, I find this really interesting. And this is in essay number 510 in the back, if you do have the Bible. And it's, it's a short paragraph, and I'm going to go ahead and read. Second paragraph. It says, a majority of modern scholars, but by no means all date the central episode associated with Moses to the 13th century during the reign of Ramses II, which would be between 1279 and 1213. An earlier date toward the beginning of the late Bronze Age would link the exodus with the expulsion of the Hyksos dynasties from Egypt in the mid-16th century and better fits the chronology in the biblical text, which dates the exodus to 480 years prior to the construction of the Solomon Temple in the mid-10th century. Now, what they're saying right here is, if you continue to read, I'm not going to read the whole thing, this section is the so-called history of Israel. Now, when you read the whole section, what that paragraph just essentially said is they can't confirm that there was any group of people on record ever called Israelites in ancient Egypt. They can't even confirm that there was a group of people called Israel or, or Israelites, period. And what they're saying is, and let, me, let me show you how slick they are, because when they're trying to get their truth across, they just, they just throw something at you. And you got to pay attention. They're saying it might be possible that this story is actually the story of the Hyksos in ancient Egypt because the chronology of the time frame fits, number one, and the stories are identical. This is not us saying this. These are European and Christian scholars in their Bible telling you that they can't confirm that the Israelites or this whole story ever existed. Now, here's the fucked up part about that. If this is the very core of monotheism right here, the children of Israel. And I've had this debate with black Hebrew Israelites, religious people. If the very Bible that we're reading and the scholars can't even confirm and prove that this is authentic, that's the very foundation of these religions. Because like you just said, Sister Vera, you mentioned the connection with Egypt and some of the other cultures. But I wanted to just point that out because sometimes when people come across shows like this, they think we're making this shit up. They think that we're doing this, like like this is just our opinion. So sometimes I like to give the opinion of the individuals that they follow. And, and again, that's coming from, the, I, I mean, you got to read the whole thing when you get a chance, but this is right in there. But I wanted to throw that in there. Um, if you could, what I want to get into, you mentioned the, the, the blood sacrifice. Let, let's talk about this for a little bit. Um, we know when we read the Old Testament, and, and let's connect this to the Anunnaki culture. Um, the thing I find odd when I run into people, maybe you can touch on this, um, religious people have this, this eerie, eerie connotation about blood sacrifice. Like, if, for an example, 
if they run into a, a, a melanated person that practices Yoruba or Santeria, ancestral worship, uh, the offering up of blood sacrifices, things of that nature, uh, they'll, 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 they'll tend to condemn that person as, as, as practicing voodoo or witchcraft or Satanism, you know, just real ignorance. Could you touch a little bit on the goriness and the violence and the constant blood sacrifice and bloodshed in the Bible and kind of how that connects to the Amnak. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I remember one of the things that really started to get me thinking was Jephthah's daughter. I don't know if you remember the, the tale of Jephthah's daughter yeah. where he, he goes to war and he says to God, if you let me win, whoever comes out of my house first, I'll sacrifice them. And it turns out to be his daughter that comes out of the house. And so he's really distraught, but he has to do it. And then after that, the Bible leaves no mention anymore. Essentially, it doesn't really tell you how she was sacrificed, but it's implied. And so even when it's dealing in Leviticus chapter 9, it tells the Levitical priest how to slay the animal and how to take the blood and sprinkle it. I mean, you can just imagine visually what's going on. He's sprinkling the blood, and the blood is dripping, and, I mean, the goriness of it. And, and, and oftentimes when there was a sacrifice, God would, the God of the Bible would say the sweet aroma. You know, it's almost like he's just, his taste buds are just being, he's salivating, waiting for his food. You know, and so when you go through the Anunnaki text, you'll find that they practice the very same thing. And, in fact, one of the things that they did when they created the externalization of religion, the, re- the reason that they, they created the externaliz- externalization of religion was because they figured that that was how they would maintain power because the humans were starting to revolt, and they were like, we don't want to be your slaves anymore. So they essentially said, okay, well, if you want to live as long as we do or if you want to have eternity, you'll inherit heaven, which is really Niburu. And then they said, here are our Torah laws, essentially. They created laws, and they said, if you follow these laws, then you will be, you will be blessed, and you will have life eternal, just like us, because we live forever. Because in the human's mind, they never saw the Anunnaki die because they lived for centuries, these Anunnaki. Um, and so the humans wanted to be just like them, and they knew that the Anunnaki would leave the planet, go to heaven, and return, and they'd be just as young as they were when they left. And so right. the humans, in obedience, because they wanted to benefit, they wanted to be blessed by these gods, they had started to honor and worship them, and they performed blood rituals. And we know in the, in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that the life force is in the blood, and the life force is energy force. And these right. gods live by the energy that humans give them when they worship and they bow and they praise them. And so this right. is what it is, essentially a transference of energy, and that's what this blood is doing when people are sacrificing. And it's just amazing how just the way the Anunnaki did it, the Bible tells you to do it the same way. And it's, it doesn't end with just blood sacrifices. It's every, almost mm-hmm. every practice of the Hebrew Israelite, the archetype comes from the Anunnaki. Right. And some that you just touched on, uh, similar, you know, some of, to coincide with the information in your book, there, there, there is an author named Andre Paris who put out a book. It's called uh, Planet Gold, the Christian Forgery. And in his, in his section on the, the whole book is about the Anunnaki and their history on this planet. And, and he even gets into detail 
you know, the very last time that they were here, which was just less than 10,000 years ago. And he, and he, and he gets a little bit in depth into the history, but on mm-hmm. the blood sacrifice aspect, which I, mm-hmm. I found very interesting, um, he goes on to say how the war between Enkian and Leo, he gets into, uh, you know, how, uh, when dealing with Enki, how he had more compassion for human beings and, as he was sent down here to carry out a mission of, of, of scouring the planet for the minerals and the gold, he kind of came to compassion to humans where Enlil was more, you know, about getting the mission done at any cost at any means. And this, this is kind of what created that planetary war. And, and we, as the, you know, primitive workers got kind of caught in between this in one of our cloning periods. This is just dealing with one, one period, but he goes on to say that, some of these Anunnaki's, and this was from the Brotherhood of Enlil, they were cannibals, and they sacrificed mm. humans, and they practiced the, these blood sacrifice rituals because this was something that was part of their culture and their brotherhood. Now, what I want to do real quick, since we're touching on this, I want to go back into the Babel slash Bible. Um, now I'm going to go to the King James Version, since that's everybody's, you know, main slave master coon that they like to worship. Uh, let's go into Exodus chapter 32, since we're, since we're connecting with Egypt, the Sumerians, the Anunnaki. Now, here's a story. Here's a story that I find very funny when, when you got to talk to a religious individual, uh, a pastor, uh, a reverend, and, and then I'm going to bring my brother. I know you're going to have something to add to this, Brother Ravon. I know um, we talk about on the show several times. We've had Dr. Delbert Blair on the show uh, when we had Phil Valentine on the show. One of the topics that's been big in the conscious community the last 15 to 20 years is the monatomic gold, uh, known back in ancient Egypt as the elixir of life. Um, And the reason why I'm bringing that up, because it connects to the Anunnaki story, because we know that one of the reasons why mine the gold and, and the planet Earth and the Milky Way galaxy is is we know in our solar system one of the richest planets of natural minerals and gold. And this is why we've been a target for this for many years and going forward we'll continue to be a target for this because we know some of them come here for that specific reason. It's a genetic experiment. So people we want to remove the religious bullshit and get that out of people's mind. This is not, you know, anything spiritual or holy. This is basically one big ass science project and you're caught in the middle of it. And that's why we keep saying on this show, either you're part of the experiment or you're controlling the experiment. But right here, if you go into Exodus, and let's touch on this because it connects to what we're talking about. This is Exodus chapter 32, and I'm going to start in verse 19. And this baffles me because nobody knows what this story is. I'm not talking about us, per se, or us on this show. All right, it starts out, it says, this is, the, this is after Moses is coming down from so-called Mount Sinai receiving the law. Okay, so keep that in mind. Read the whole thing when you get time. But I'm going to point out three important verses here. It says, And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, and he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out, the tablets out of his hands, and brake them beneath the mount. So he's coming down. Remember, the children of Israel became impatient, waiting for him. So as the story is recorded, Aaron didn't know what to do. He collected all the gold that the tribe had, and they built this golden calf. All right? That's the story. Everybody's familiar with that. We learned this in kindergarten. All right? Then it goes on to say, and he took the calf, watch this, which 
they had made and burnt it in the fire, right, and ground it to powder. So Moses took the golden calf, burned it in the fire, and ground it into a powder, all right, and strawed it upon the water. Now he dumps it into water and made the children of Israel drink of it. My question to every religious scholar is why? Mm-hmm. Why did Moses grind this gold into a powder, liquefy it, and make the children of Israel drink it? What is this story talking about? Now, the reason why the average religious person that's asleep will never be able to figure this out, because when you're stuck in religion, faith, and belief, you don't, you don't see the essence of what these stories or the origin of where they came from. This is an Egyptian principle right here. Okay, this is dealing with the monatomic gold, the elixir of life, because it's grinded into a powder. It's either drunk as a liquid or it's ingested as a powder. Now, here you have an incident right in your Bible where nobody can explain the reasoning for Moses doing that. Now, what does the monatomic powder do? It repairs all the junk DNA, number one. Number three, it, it speeds up proper brain function and connecting you to the spiritual realm, it enhances brain capacity. It increases psychic abilities. So this was some type of healing ritual when we're reading in there, if you understand what the monotomic or the electoral life is about. Um, I'm going to bring in Brother Ravana Noon. Maybe maybe you could add a little bit to this, and, and if you got some questions for the sister, go ahead. Right. Um, well, it's interesting because... In in almost every culture across the planet, gold is always defined as something supreme, something beneficial, something uh, necessary. Whether you go to Egypt, whether you go to South Africa, whether you go to South America, wherever the case is, gold is always important. But I think, unfortunately, most people don't try to find out why. And as you mentioned clearly and precisely, the benefits of the monatomic gold, because the monatomic gold was that very essence that would help people reach a altered state of consciousness and an interdimensional shift where they could, you know, actually take their consciousness and, and themselves and actually shift into another dimension. And there they could experience or make contact with their ancestors or these beings known as the Anunnaki, the Naturu, the Orisha, or whatever other names we have for these certain kind of beings. But uh, what's interesting is that the gold is always synonymous with the blood as well. It's like they go hand in hand. You can mm-hmm. have gold, but they always mention the blood and the blood rituals all over this planet, and they're both connected. Now, Correct. what I notice is that when you see the depictions of these ancient gods, let's say, and you see these depictions, they always had a lot of gold on them. And then these gods were also associated with these rituals. Now, what's interesting is that gold is also conducted. It conducts mm-hmm and filters out harmful sunlight, but it's also a conductor of energy. That's right. That's what's very interesting, because in order for these guys to do these rituals or these, you know, different levels of uh, practices, 
you ever notice that they always have to have some level of gold on. Now look at the Levitical priesthood. The Levitical Correct. priesthood always had the gold medallion or the gold uh uh you know square on their chain on their on their chest. That's right. It was necessary in order to work with this electromagnetic energy and work with blood rituals and things of that nature. People have to really pay attention because one thing that I think, Benita, you stated clearly and precisely, which I think people really need to pay attention to, is cut the bullcrap religious spookiness out. Because That's right. When you really get behind these stories, when you really get behind a lot of this information, 95% of humanity is nothing but slaves. <laughs> they're nothing but slaves, and they're a part of one large experiment. And I don't care what you call them. You could call them Orisha, Nkisi. You could call them fairies, dwarves. You could call them all these spirits or energies. And most of them are some way, somehow, trying to control you or mm. do work for them so that you could benefit something from you doing work for them. That's right. Like, for example, when you deal with Yoruba, right? Now, this is the same concept because now you go into Christianity, Islam, Judaism, it's almost the same concept. It's just less ritualized. But That's when right. you do Yoruba or Santeria, Lakumi, Ifa, a lot of times these Orisha do not do any work for you unless you sacrifice something or offer something. That's right. You have yeah. to ask yourself a question. What is a dead spirit? In other words, a spirit not in physical form anymore. What does it need these things for? That's the first <laughs> question that people have to ask because in order for you to Get work done, you have to do something for the spirit. And that means that they cannot intercess or interact on this realm unless you give them, give them an avenue to interact in this realm. So a lot of times it's the blood. Or it's these certain rituals and they feed off of the energy in order to be able to, to make contact. Now, this may hurt a lot of people who are so traditionalized and feel they're so cultural and feel they have to be so Africanized or anything else, it may really hurt them to find that out, that a lot of this is nothing more than slavery and mind control. That's right. And that, at the end of the day, is what the biggest problem is. And I think Sarah hits that very much on point in her book, in her videos and everything else, that a lot of times you have to really realize that most of this is just one big game, and you are the pawn in the game. So when do you step yourself outside of that? When do you step outside of these things? Because why do the Anunnaki need gold? Why was gold so important? Why was Moses told to take the golden calf, and why was it a calf? Because when you look at the calf or the or the cow, when you look at the cow, it's symbolically sacred to Kemet, Egypt. That's right. Sacred to, to the the Dravidian or Hindu perspective. Mm. They won't even sacrifice. They won't even kill or do anything to the cow. Cows run free in India. Cows go in the Ganges River and take a shit, and people still in there swimming because it's holy. That's right. Now, that's nasty. But I ain't going to do it. But anyway, that's what they do. 
So when we look at this whole thing, we have to really pay attention because I think Sister Vera is on on a path to show a lot of these religious people that it's not just these scientists, these other people who are discussing this through her own experience. She also was able to see things for herself by the by the inner workings of being inside of these organizations, these religions, and giving her whole faith over to things unproven and unseen that when the mask is taken off, what do you do? What do you do at the end of the day when you see this and you're over here ready to sacrifice something to Yemaya and you all of a sudden get a, a an epiphany? And you say, what the F am I doing right now about to do this? Right. What's the purpose behind this? Like, okay, they can tell you. The Bible Loud can tell you. The Santero Santera can tell you. Oh, well, this, we do it for this. this that's, that's lovely. But it still doesn't explain why. That's right. You know, because they'll give you a, a preconditioned or pre-rehearsed or, you know, meditated answer. But they'll never give you the real truth. And that's because themselves, most of them don't even know themselves. Very mm. few do. Yeah. Most of them don't know themselves because they also were hypnotized and spellbound under this tradition, religion, or whatever by other people. So it's, it's really important because monotomic gold has been around for millions of years, let's say. But now that science has gotten and done some clinical studies and things, people are saying, okay, well, there is some benefit to this. Now, why does it take all these years for the masses to find out when if you do some thorough research, you know, these uh, 13 bloodlines have been using gold in their rituals for thousands of years? Hmm. So why is it so all of a sudden common thing now and, oh, let me do this a long time ago, when they've been using this for a long time. And they've been using it to empower themselves. Because... Well, go ahead, if, I, if I could real quick, since you, since you were speaking on that, uh, again, um, in, in in Planet Gold, the book that I mentioned earlier, and, and I, I know we were touching on this subject with Anunnaki and Vera's book, um, this is part of the reason why some of these beings came here because of the knowledge that we're talking about now. They didn't want the lesser to know the sacred science behind that monatomic gold uh, in its pure form. Now, since we're on this topic, what I find unique about this, you're mentioning the different rituals. You're mentioning the different, the different cultures that it's connected to. Um, and what people are failing to see, when you're reading this Bible, you got to understand it's a conglomeration. When you're reading Genesis and the, and the Old Testament and the books of the prophets, you're getting a mixture of, of a multitude of stories that you got to be able to assimilate and put into perspective. Now, somebody that reads the Bible and takes every word literally, you're not going to see this because you've been programmed a certain way through the system of faith and belief, so you're not going to be able to, to grasp the, the, the higher understanding of it. Um, but I wanted to throw that in there. This was one of the key elements why these Anunnaki's were warring with each other and coming to this planet. And you mentioned the fact that we were slaves. And, and here's the thing. Some of us are genetic, not all of us. I want to get into that whole whole thing now. 
Some of us are, are genetic DNA ancestors from that project, okay? Because the purpose of some humans, we were just created for the sole purpose of being their slaves to help them mine for this gold. And this is what people fail to understand. Now, Sister Vera, you mentioned something earlier. We tend now to take on the mindset, whether we're conscious of it now, of worshiping the oppressor. Because the very the very God of this Bible that people are giving life to, okay, are the, is the same God that's responsible for keeping them in the, in the system and the mindset and the mentality that they're in right now. And, and one thing that's interesting, if you could touch on it a little bit, mm-hmm. they're also responsible for being the creators of all these religions that we're following today because it basically was a system that was instituted and put in, so it can keep us in the system of control. Can you can you kind of touch on the Anunnaki kind of being the, you know, fathers of all these religions that people follow yeah. today? Yes. Um, it's quite interesting the way that they did it. I mean, they were just, they understood the complete psychology of man and how it is that they could enslave them mentally even before they did physically. And so one of the things that they did was we know that according to history, we see that there were different temples that were all over the Bible lands, the Middle East, we'll call them. And there were temples all over them, and each of the gods had the temples designed and constructed for them by their slaves. And the gods actually, or the Anunnaki, would live in these temples. These were their houses. That's where they lived. It wasn't a place of worship when they were on the planet. But eventually when they left, people who missed their God and they remembered their God, they will go to these temples in order to remember them and to be closer to these gods that were no longer on the, on the planet or had taken a trip, let's say, to Mesoamerica. Sometimes they come to America because it was like a vacation land to them, you know? And so they would tell them essentially that they would, you know, if they would teach, they would kind of design a way to externalize all of their worship and all of their power. I kind of lost my train of thought there for a second. Well, um, okay. Can you say your question again? Well, we were talking about, because uh, I know you touched on it in the book, we were talking about how these Anunnaki's are actually responsible for the modern-day religions of yes. Christianity, Islam, and Judaism that most people follow today. Yes, that, yes, and thank you. Um, when you look at the different Bible lands and you go to the story of the Anunnaki, we'll see that not only did Genesis 11 divide the nations and tell them which nations to go into, but the Anunnaki also had a council. They had a council where they sat down and decided which gods that were warring with each other, what lands they would take. And so Inanna got her land. She essentially, she basically took over like the Indus Valley. She taught the Kundalini religion, the religions of yoga, and all of those feminine type of religions. And then um, Anki, who was the brother of Enlil, he got the African lands. And this is where we find the mining fields in South Africa where they mine the gold. These lands are over 200,000 years old. Now we see the connection to not only the, the Anunnaki, that Zachariah Stitchin was telling the truth about these mining fields that were now found today, but we also find the correlation and the relationship to the Bible where it says that the gold was good. The Bible's been giving us hints all the time. And also when you know, when you deal with Allah and you're dealing with the Muslim religion, the son Nana, Nana who is sin. It is a sin to do anything that he tells you to do. And so this is where the concept of sin came from, but that's what his name was, Nanar. 
and his other name, a.k.a. was Sin, and he set up the systems of the Islamic faith. And this right. is why all the Islamic faiths worship in the fashion that they do, because he gave them his doctrine and his version of his religion and how right. it is that he wanted to be worshipped. So all over the land, even China, Fuxi was known to have gone to China. So um, the Bible, the, the religions of Buddhism, the peaceful religions, all of the customs that they have there also derive from that. And when you go to every land, you can connect it to that. Mesoamerica, the movie Apocalypto, that tells us a lot. Not only the, the, the detestable sacrifices that we saw, they were telling the truth, but also their system of religion because they became empowered when they sacrificed as well. So it's just amazing, brothers, how once you go to the root, this is the root. We want to know our history, all of us. We know that without the understanding of our history, we are lost. Well, this is the history of mankind. This is where we have our furthest roots to go back to to understand why we are in this mess that we're in today, this matrix that you mentioned, brother. We're in this trap, and the only way to get out of this trap is to go within and to discover what has been done to us by the Anunnaki and all of the other henchmen that have come from different systems of outer planetary places, how they contributed to this grand experiment that I call and others have termed the prison planet that we live on today. Correct. And what I wanted to do, uh, but before we do that, we're at the top of the hour. I want to take some questions for you uh, before we uh, uh, finish our interview with you. And, and again, feel free to stay as we go to the second portion of the show. But we got some questions and we got a couple of calls we're going to take for you. But one thing I wanted to add before we move on and do that, um, and since we're speaking of this, we, we uh, Brother Ravana Noon was talking about the, the Levitical priesthood, and we were talking about the gold and how the gold is, is, is also used as a conductor of energy. And even when you look at the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the so-called holy relic of the Bible that contained God's power. Now, when they would administer in this priesthood, they, they would have to put on all different types of metals because of the very energy that was transferred through the so-called art. But let's go back for a minute. Now, if you look at the Catholic Church today, let's look, let's look at this real quick. You go back, their, their priesthood really is after the priesthood, after the order of Melchizedek. Now, you mentioned Marduk, Marduk. Okay, now, contrary to belief, regardless of what people study, Marduk or, or, or Murdoch was not a peaceful band. And you could also refer to in... Uh, Andre Paris's book, Planet Gold, Christian Forgery, you talk about it a bit in your book. Um, he was actually uh, one of the, when we're talking about the priesthood and, and the blood sacrifice and then the cannibal and the death, the destruction and the wars, he was one of the major initiators of that. Now, that also ties back to the priesthood of Dagon or Dagon, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Now, if you look at the cardinals and the pope, okay, and if you're familiar with who Dagon is in the Sumerian or the Anunnaki culture, he was a representation of the half-fish, half-man. And he wore a hat that they call the mitter. Now, if you look at what a mitter is, and you can research it, mm. if you look at the Pope's headdress and you look at the Cardinal's headdress, it's actually the tail of a fish. Look at it closely, okay? When you put it in its right angle, they are your modern-day priesthood of Dalgarn. They are telling you they are connected to this blood uh, priesthood, to, the, to, the, to these violent race of bands, and they are a representation physically of their priesthood on earth. So I want, I want to throw that in there. You have to go do whole research on the Catholic priesthood because 
who they link that to, this Melchizedek, when you read the Bible. There's three quotes. You can go into the 14th chapter of Genesis, the 18th verse. You'll see that offerings when Abraham came back from war were given to this man, Melchizedek. That's Genesis 14. You also see him pop up in Psalms 110 amongst the so-called prophet David being venerated. You also see him pop up in the book of Daniel, chapter 7. Then you see him mentioned in Hebrews, chapter 5, and chapter 7, being the ancient of days, having no mother, no father, no beginning, no end. So who is this band they call Melchizedek? I want the religious bullshit, because I've heard so many people give me their religious interpretation of it. I've gotten the Nuwapians version of it, but they don't know what the hell they're talking about. I've gotten the Jehovah Witnesses version. They don't know what they're talking about. When you go back and research the origin of it, not your own personal interpretation, people do not understand really who these bands are. So but before we uh, conclude our interview, let's go. We've got a couple questions online, and then we have a couple calls waiting for you, okay? Okay. Let's, let's go to the uh, phone first. We've got a call from Rhode Island. Uh, you're on the phone. Uh, Rhode Island, you're on the phone. Go ahead. Hello? Rhode Island. Sounds like Anunnaki, brother. <laughs> Rhode Island, I don't know if you can hear us, but we got you on the call. You must be driving or something. All right, let's skip that call. All right, we're going to skip that. Let's go to the next call. Uh, we'll try to go back to that call. I'm not sure if it's the bad connection or sound like they were driving. I'm not sure. All right, we got another call. Now, again, if I, if I call you out, I just see a state. Uh, if you kind of just came into the show and you didn't register, all I, all I see is your state. So if I call your location out, you're the only one that's able to speak, so you can just go ahead and speak. I got a caller on the line from central Massachusetts. You're on the call. Can you hear me? Central Massachusetts, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here, man. Okay, you're on the call. Do you got a, you got a question or a comment for Sister Vera? No, I just came in recently. I'm just, I'm just paying attention and listening. Okay, no problem. We appreciate you tuning in. Absolutely. All right. All right, let's go. Let's go. Um, a couple questions online. Uh, one of the questions, Sister, and I'm just going to read it to you as it's, as it's typed in. Uh, do you think that these bands are still here? in hiding, or left us behind to figure out this mess they made? That's the question. Wow, that's a great question. Um, I have I have a couple of ideas that I, you know, that inclinations that I feel is really happening. Some of them did leave the planet. Some of them had to leave the planet. What happened was a lot of, when, when they were underneath the sun, they tend to age faster. They didn't live, live as long as they normally would if they were on their planet Nibiru. So a lot of them were forced because of that, and some of them, though, actually stayed, and they fathered the monarchies that we see on the planet today, our kings and our, and our queens and all of them, and this is why they stay married within their families. They interbreed. And these can be kings and priests that are black, that can be white. They're all mixed with this, this so-called royal bloodline. And some of them, and I don't know if any of you are familiar with Credo Mudwa, He's a South African shaman, and he's one of the ones that woke me, almost began to wake me up about seven years ago because I would listen to his testimony about these giant 
beings that were humanoid and reptilians, and they would come out of the ground. They called them like the ant people, and these were in South Africa. And he right. told the stories of when they would mine the gold in South Africa. The Africans right. held, the South Africans held on to so many of these stories of the Anunnaki, but we thought that they were they were mythology. And so, right. you know, he tells that a lot of them do live underground, and they still do. So um, their their destinations are everywhere. They're everywhere because they've implemented themselves in our politics, in our medicine, in our religion. And by the way, a side note, um, brother, you have mentioned about the Mitri with the Catholic Church. It's, Mm -hmm. It's really incredible because the Hebrew Israelites, the black Hebrew Israelites, they are told to wear fair Mitri on their head. Right. And so we see, again, the Anunnaki um, religious code or even their dress code coming into the he- into the Bible as well and their customs. Um, yes, yeah, so. Right, and that's, that's, that's powerful. And, again, you know, the uh, that was guest 11 that typed that in. Um, that's a good question. But one thing, one thing I want to reiterate, uh, and, again, to remove the spookism, uh, we can't separate ourselves. When we're talking about all these different cultures, be it Egypt, Samaria, uh, various different parts of Africa. We can't we can't separate ourselves from them. We we are an incarnation of our ancestors, and they are an incarnation of us. So we got to remove that spookism because remember, when you get down to the higher sciences, it's about tapping into your DNA and making that connection. Now, I, I don't want to pass the information on as if there's a separation that these are higher beings than us and we're separated from them because then we're back to that same mess of religion and being in a system of control. So we have to understand we're talking about blood relatives as we're having this discussion. So regardless if we're we're terming them good or bad, we can't separate ourselves from them. And the problem that that, that happens in the conscious community, some people take these cultures and and they turn it into what I call Afrocentricity religion. They just sprinkle some black shit on it and basically we're back to the white man's religion and we're venerating these things as if they're outside of ourselves. That's what we don't want to do. And we kind of we talked about that um, over the weeks to, to eliminate that spookism. Now, here's something that I find, I find very, very interesting um, in, in, in dealing with these topics because you have a lot of people, for an example, in the conscious community that, that per se will connect with Egypt, right? This is the thing that kills me. And they'll say, my African ancestors, Africa this, Africa that. But yet they're only identifying with a certain portion of Africa, and that's Egypt. Well, Egypt isn't all of Africa, okay? Africa is a big (laughs) continent with a multitude of different cultures. So when you say you're African ancestors and you're just centralizing on one portion called Egypt, people identify with Egypt, I'm going to be honest with you, whether whether they're conscious of it or not, is because just like religion, it makes them feel comfortable because there's things they can identify with. There's the, there's the, there's the uh, dress. There's the pyramids. There's the glory of it. You know, all the nice, wonderful images that one conjures up in their mind, but I don't see nobody representing the pygmies, you know what I'm saying, or, mm. or tribes from New Papua Guinea because they're primitive. You understand? Nobody's representing them cultures. You know why? Because subconsciously, they don't feel comfortable with it. So we're talking about this topic, and I want to make this clear. We are not at all in any shape, form, or fashion to separate ourselves because this is a manifestation of your genes and your DNA. You're just coming to the realization of it. So let's not look at them um, when we say beings or left behind. 
things of that nature because I don't want to create that illusion that these are spooky, you know, beings that that are higher than us or outside of ourselves because, again, you're a manifestation of your DNA. So everything that's happening that's happening now is happening because you're willing it to happen. That's the shit that we got to get locked in our minds. Yeah. All right, let's try to go back to the phone. I'm going to take a few more calls for you, sister. Uh, let's, let's see if we can get that Rhode Island caller on the, on the phone, see if he's not driving again because he's still on the queue. Let me say, hold on. Uh, Rhode Island, you're on the call. Can you hear me? Hey, what's up? Yeah, this is T from Providence. I'm here. Hey, what's going on, brother? We, we, I try to get, I try to plug you in, man. You must have been driving or something. All we heard was like, I don't know what it was. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I am out here working, but I appreciate you coming back to me. No, 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 cool. Uh, we, we got Sister Vera on the line. If you got any questions for her, go ahead, bro. Yeah. yeah, I got I got a quick question, Sister Vera. It's an open question regarding uh, Anunnaki. Now, I only touched on the, the surface of the story of the Anunnaki, but a question that came to my mind a while ago was, <clears throat> if we were created by the Anunnaki to mine gold, now just stopping right there, I questioned at this point, how did we become such complicated beings in and even the most beautiful way as far as mental, emotional, you know, all the capabilities and abilities we have if right. we were only created for just that Come one on. simple task. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's just a question that I just right off that's the top a great I had a while question. ago. <laughs> that's a great question. I asked that same thing as I was doing my researching. And what I found is that, you know, we had mentioned how we're living on this prison planet, this matrix. And, and what the Anunnaki were able to do, if you go to the text that were, were removed from the Bible, that was also a clue for me, the um, Gnostic text and the story of so- the Gospel of Sophia and her creating Yaldabaoth and the Demiurge and the Archons. When you read those texts, the reason they didn't include those in the Bible is because they kind of show you the setup of what the Anunnaki did. These texts don't specifically call them the Anunnaki, but they give them different names, but they express their characters and how they were evil and how they set up this system of where they would take souls. They would harvest souls and they would take souls and they would encapsulate them in human form and make them become subject to this matrix that we live in today. So before the Anunnaki came, there were beings, there were satian beings that were already here. There were different types of mankind. There were Cro-Magnum, there were Neanderthals, there were all kinds of pre-Adamites that were here. Some of them were higher higher in intelligence. Some of them were lower in intelligence. And these are those that they experimented with. And so one of the things that Anki did, though, he and his sister, when they were creating in these laboratories, they were really trying to upgrade the DNA when they mixed them with the Anunnaki blood as well. And one of the things that they ended up doing was giving the humans the, the gene of compassion and the gene of love. And so we have something that they, they do not have, and that gene of compassion and love enables us to express ourselves without hurting and inflicting injury or the duality that the Bible God makes us believe is okay. We see evil, and as humans, we know it's evil, and we would never do it to anyone we love. That is the gene that we have that is extra that they do not have. And because of that, we are more powerful than, than they are. We become creators, and when we create, we create in love, and we ask nothing back. 
And so this is how powerful we are. This is how powerful we are before they even got here. And so now we understand where all the different genes came from within just the human gene pool, why we look different, why we have um, genes that are close to the rat DNA. 99% of our genes are close to the pig. Why? Because they experimented with all types of animals. And in the book of Jasher, another book that they removed from the Bible, it, it goes into detail on how they experimented with different animals. And this is why we see in Greek mythology half man, half beast, half horse, half all of these different things because they were doing genetic experiments. And Egypt showed a lot of those things as well. So we are everything, (laughs) but we are more than just our external, and this is why these gods keep us focused on what makes us different than everyone else externally so that we continue to be divided rather than coming together with our energy to create love and to create the good that we all wish to see in the world. Mm. I appreciate that. Yeah, that that answers your question. Hey, brother, uh, can you hear me up on yeah, definitely hit me up on your email. We're going to be out actually out in the way uh, in the middle of August, the 12th to the 19th. We're going to be doing something in Providence. So uh, I know you're in Rhode Island. So definitely, definitely keep posted with me, man. So I definitely want you to make sure you're part of that, all right? Yeah, definitely. I will. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Appreciate the call. All right. All right. Uh, what I want to do is a couple comments online, and then we've got, we got a couple more calls lined up for you. Uh, so we're just going to try to get through the role of these calls. But I'm going to read some comments from Guest 11 and Lady Dragoness. Uh, they put in some some nice comments. But Guest 11, to, to finish off the question we was talking about earlier, it says, so does a statement hold true? We are the ones we are looking for. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. As simple as that, most definitely. The only person you should be looking for is yourself. So, and, again, I want to stress, we're trying to, as Sister Vera is doing in her book, and what we're trying to do on the show is break that system of nonsense we're trying to eliminate that whole concept that this is happening outside your DNA. It's not. This is a manifestation of everything you've become, and it's determining where you're headed, okay? So, yes, short and simple, we, you, should be, you are the only person you should be looking for because, like we said last week, if you're looking for that spiritual master, all you need to do is look into, relig- look into the mirror and get away from religion faith, belief, and get out of these silly organizations that are claiming they got some leader that's going to take you to the promised land. Because those organizations, just as you heard Sister Vera attest to through her experiences, can only take you so far. You can only go so far in the black Hebrew Israelites. Because if you really think some black God called Yahweh is going to come out of the sky and wreak havoc on Babylon, I mean, that's, that's fucking just ridiculous. If you think that Minister Farrakhan is going to guide you to the mothership, you, you, you're crazy. Okay, because it's not going to happen. If you think Dr. York is going to take you back to the planet risk, you're even more screwed up in the head. Okay, because it comes to a point in the journey where you have to take it yourself. You have to let go of everybody's hand. There is nothing that's going to get you to where you need to go but yourself. It's that simple. So, yes, the only person you should be looking for is yourself, most definitely. Uh, Lady Dragoness types in Buddhist-like, to live constantly in the present, aware of karma and consequence. Now, we're gonna, when we get into the second portion of the show, Spiritual Alchemy, we're going to come back to that because last week, I know Brother Ravana Noon, Brother Sargidi, we were building on not to look at karma as some doomsday punishment thing. So when we get into the alchemy in the second portion of the show, we're going to go back to that, revisit that. But most definitely there's a connection to that. Um, 
Uh, another comment, then to live our lives accordingly in order to transcend spiritually, most definitely. Um, and then guest 11 type saying, I think we had the gene before they spliced us, and that is why they tried to impose their ideas of separation, cruelty, and inhumanity. And I think you just touched on that, uh, Sister Vera, explaining mm-hmm. that most definitely in detail. All right, let's go back to the phones. we got about five or six more calls lined up for you. Um, let's go to uh, southwest Georgia. You're on the phone. Can you hear us, southwest Georgia? Um, I'm just listening in, brother. I came in late. Okay, no problem. All right, thank you. All right, let's go to uh, Ashlove88. You're on the call. Go ahead, Ashlove88. Yes, hello? Hello, you're on the call, Ashlove88. Go ahead. All right, I got a question for Sister Vera. Sure. Um, yeah, I've been I've been kind of looking into channeling, you know, um, and it just made me think of, you know, the whole Christian phenomenon about people speaking in tongues. And it, and to me, that seems like channeling. And and I just want to know if you had any thoughts on that, because I mean, if it is channeling, like who the hell are these people talking to? Mm-hmm. Is, is it Enlil? You know. Right. Yeah, there are different. There there are different. I, I I kind of look at it like a radio station, and you can tune into different radio stations and receive the frequencies from them. There are different species out there, different aliens, different Anunnaki that are unseen, that are trying to use the the vessels of humanity because we're powerful beings and through us they can create. They need a human form in order to work. And so knowing that, I think we all need to be really cautious in who we channel because even when we pray, we can be channeling. Even when we say we woke up with a dream that God told us, that can be channeling. And mm-hmm. so what I've done is I've disavowed myself from any God. There's no, if I don't know you <laughs> like I know me, I'm not praying to you. I'm not asking you for anything. I don't, need, I don't want anything until I completely understand it. And so that's a really great question. I think a lot of people are getting involved in that, but they really need to exercise caution and just be educated in everything you do. Exhaust your education in whatever it is that you choose to do. Okay, mm-hmm. sis, I hope that answered it. Yes, and, yes, and, yes. And, sister, uh, just to give this to you, Ash Love 88, you, you mentioned speaking in tongues, and this is something you can kind of use to people that follow the Pentecostal religion or claim to be religious and speak in tongues. I'm going to give you something from the Bible to show you the system that is supposed to be done, and, and no Christian church practices it this way. And this is in their very Bible. Now, me personally, I couldn't care. But I'm saying if you want to give them an artillery, because you, you said a few minutes ago, what is that really all about? Because some of it's chaos and confusion, and some of it is connecting with unholy spirits. But here, if you go into their Bible, and I'm going to read you a couple of verses, and you might want to write this down, because then you can actually confront somebody that actually deals with this and see the response. If you go into 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and start with verse 4, all right, it goes on to say, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with him. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another the prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. 
But all these work at that one and the self-same spirit, avoiding to every man severally as he will. Now, if you continue to go on and read, I don't want to read the whole thing. It goes to tell you when dealing with spirits, as you go down in that same chapter, it says that one has to record what's being said and the other has to be interpreted. Now, what church do you know when this happens, it's just humana, 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 and just a bunch of foaming at the mouth and a bunch of nonsense and negativity, and nobody's really interpreting anything that's taken place. And it says if nobody can interpret, if everybody can't interpret there, because it says, as you continue to read, that all are connected to the Spirit. So if everybody there, not just Reverend, who's claiming he can interpret what the Spirit is saying, but nobody else can, it says if all can't interpret that Spirit, it's an, un, it's an unholy Spirit. Now, this is one important factor that speaking in tongues people don't want to quote in their Bible, and it's right there smack in their Bible. It clearly says there's an order and a system to these things. It's not just somebody just getting up, catching the ghost, and, 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 and yelling out a bunch of gibberish. Somebody has to be recording it, and it has to be being able to be interpreted by all present. That's what the Bible mm-hmm. says. Now, nobody wants to address this when it comes to spirit and speaking in tongues because, like you just said in the introduction part of your question, what is that really all about? So now you got to question yourself, what spirit or energy are they really connecting with? What are they contacting with? Because they are ancestral spirits. It's just what ancestral spirits are they contacting? So I just wanted you to, you know, something you could throw out there and use. So we hope that answers your question. Yes, dear. Thank you so much. No uh, problem. And if, I, if I could real quick, um, I just want to say to Sister Vera, you are, you are so loved and respected, and, and I'm behind you, and your book was Amazing. Just amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. And all I've been doing was um, researching. You know, there's there's so much to look into, but I I just want to thank you real quick. And thank you, brothers, on the line. All right, no problem. Appreciate your call, sis. All right, I think we got, uh, let's see, let me skip down here. Uh, We got, if I'm saying it right, Clarization 2015. You're on the call. Go ahead. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good, good. Hi, Brother Benici, and hi, Sister Vera. How are you doing? Good. I'm subscribed to your channel, of course, and um, I'm on Facebook as Keisha Claire Lightfoot on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to say thank you guys for bringing the truth. Um, Brother Benici, I just came across your video, I think, about six months back. On my search right. for truth, and um, you've been great. You've been so great in helping me wake up. And uh, right. Sister Vera, much love to you. Much love Thank to you. you. Keep doing your thing because uh, you are just awesome. But um, I have one question um, about the monotonic goal. I've been doing some research on this, and um, some people, some websites I go to are saying that you can probably open yourself up to, um, you know, wrong spirits, and then some say it's good. I just want to know, can you just break down exactly, like, what it's about and how? what's the best resource I can go to the bodies? Yeah, um, and I'm going to have, I'm going to get my brother to chime in on this after I'm done. Um, here, here's the thing with the monatomic gold. Um, mm-hmm. you, you got some stuff out there that's garbage. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. So, one, you want to research uh, you know, the, the authenticity of the company you get it from. Now, ones, and I know my brothers can verify, uh, there's only two companies that I find, um, you know, have something that actually works. It's, it's dhealth.com, uh, Energetic Nutrition out of California, 
Uh, they have a website, mm-hmm. and uh, I definitely recommend Dr. Delbert Blair because he actually works with all those companies. Um, but here's the thing. we we got to get this in our mind. Now, it doesn't mm-hmm. open you up to spirit, so I'm not sure where that person got that information from because there's a lot of mythology behind it. Um, we also want to stress this, like we talked about last week on the show, you don't want to become dependent on it. It can be used, mm-hmm. as, as my good brother Ravana Noon said last week, as, as a Kickstarter. That's okay. Basically what it does is it, it can enhance, and you're developing this naturally anyway when you're working on yourself. And, we're, again, we're going to touch mm-hmm. on this in the second part of the show more. Um, you're working on your spiritual alchemy. It assists in, in enhancing your psychic abilities. It can enhance the connection to the spiritual world. Now, like I said this before, so if an individual um, has issues going on, remember, you can't do any spiritual work if you've got personal things going on with you spiritually. Now, if an individual that might have had that experience, they might be dealing with a, a, a whole uh, issues of spiritual entities that they might be working with or, or I should say lack of do not know how to work with. Now, what it can do is from, from my own personal experience and people I've talked to, if you have a naturally strong connection to the spirit world, and that could be positive or negative, yes, it can, it can enhance those experiences. Now, it's only negative if you allow it to be negative. Nothing can enter you or, or overtake you or overcome you only if you allow it. So um, bottom line is uh, it's good to, as a Kickstarter to, to enhance your psychic abilities, focus brain power, um, and that's what it was used for back then, you know, most definitely. But um, I, I wouldn't get caught up in the spookiness about it as far as, you know, you, you hear people say stuff like you just said. I just think that's, that's happening to an individual that's spiritually weak and when you're open, you, you can be a vessel and a magnet for negative entities because if your frequency and your vibration is at such a low frequency, it attracts a certain type of energy. Now, remember, these bands are just bands of energy and light. You heard everybody say it that we've had on the show. You heard Brother Panic break it down. You heard Brother, uh, Dr. Delbert Blair. You heard us break it down. Uh, Phil Valentine uh, on the show breaking it down. So we got to understand we're working with light and energy. That's it. That's why I said we can't, we can't disconnect this energy from ourselves because then we're back into that same mindset of, of uh, you know, religion. So that's my take on it. I, like I said, I wouldn't get caught up in the aspect of, you know, you can definitely can open yourself up. But if you're, if you're doing things correctly, you're preparing yourself, you're meditating, you're connecting with your DNA ancestors, it's just going to enhance that. That's it. Now, if you're if you're doing all types of negativity, and you, you're a being that's gravitating on such a low frequency, you're going to attract a certain type of energy to yourself. So yes, um, so there's it, 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 dynamics to that question. Um, Brother Ravana, I don't know if you want to chime in on that real quick before we move on. Sure, uh, I'll state it like this: subconscious mind creates your reality. So, whatever uh, avenue you choose, whether you're doing alchemical work such as monotomic gold, polluteal silver, things of that nature, and you go and do the spiritual practices. If your subconscious mind accepts or believes that something can harm you or hurt you, it it will. there's a great chance that it can and will. But it's only being created from your subconscious mind, from the programming through horror movies, through our family, through religion, through any aspect of that nature that we did not realize got into our subconscious mind, programmed it, 
So when we do spiritual work and we open ourselves up to higher vibrations, uh, we unfortunately open up portals or vortexes that our subconscious mind, when you come in contact with these energies, these energies will only manifest in what you fear the most because that's right. they're attracted to that fear factor created by a subconscious mind. So always remember when you do the spiritual work and you take amount of time to go to things of that nature, try to make sure that you are working with a positive mind frame before you go into the work, never meditate when you're angry, upset, or feeling any kind of negative vibration because it can and will affect your meditation. One. Two, uh, it's essential before any anybody partakes in any in-depth spiritual work to reprogram your subconscious mind. That's right. Everything and everything that is from the past to today can and will affect you in your spiritual work. Excellent point. Appreciate that, Brother Vano. So, sister, very again, it's very important. And, again, it goes back to what we've been saying in the, in the very beginning of the show. This it, it, it all happens within yourself. So this is something, it, it can happen, but it's self-created. But anyway, where are you calling from geographically, just so we know kind of where we're reaching? Um, I'm calling from Belleville, Illinois. All right, Illinois. Okay, cool, because we just want to see where we're reaching. Right, did you have any more questions for Sister Barrett? No, Sister Val, I just want to tell you, I got your book, and it was really great. It was good. I, I can't, I'm looking forward to more coming from you. I'm looking Thank forward you to so more. much, Keisha. Thank you. All right. No problem. Okay, you have a good night. Thank you. All right. Thanks. All right, so, you know, that was a good question from the from the sister. Um, and, and, again, well, this is why we have you on the show, because we're hoping your book, We'll, we'll get that spooky mindset out of people's minds uh, of what this whole thing is really all about. Uh, so we got yeah. a couple more questions for you. You want to add something? Go ahead, sister. You want to add something? Yeah, no, that's what I, you know, that's what my hope is. I think that the only way that people can move on to the spirituality and how to tap into the gems that you brothers are showing is to get rid of the spookism of religion. And once right. you find out that it's all a veneer and it's all alive, and you then you're able to move on and accept the things that are going to help you grow. And so that um, thank you for recognizing that. That's what I'm hoping my intent for the book will do for people. Definitely. All right. So we got two. We're gonna we're gonna take two more calls from for Sister Vera. Uh, again, the second portion of the show. If you're just tuning in. You're listening to Sister Vera Courtney. Uh, we're talking to her, uh, not just about her book, but we are talking to her about her book, uh, The Age of What I Know, Unmasking the Magicians. And we're kind of just talking to her in general on a, on a wide variety of topics. And, again, Sister, if you could, just, just tell them the best place to go to get your book before we continue on. Yes, yeah. yeah, so, um, my book is on Amazon.com, and the book is titled The Age of I Know, Unmasking the Magicians. The Bible exposed. Um, as soon as you type that in, you should get me. Okay, cool. And, and again, the second portion of the show, after we, uh, you know, wrap up with the last couple of calls, we're going to be talking about spiritual alchemy and self transformation, mm-hmm. and we're, we're going to touch on a few more things that that came up earlier. All right, let's go to the phone lines. We got a caller on the line. Uh, past future, you're on the call. Past future. Can you hey, hear me? Pat? Go ahead. Yeah, we, we got you. Go ahead, brother. You're good. All right. What's up? Peace to all y'all. All right. You got a question for Sister Courtney? Uh, yeah. Um, I was going to ask um, something about the Anunnaki 
Um, pretty much I was going to ask if, well, I've done some research on spiritual plants, and um, I've read reports from firsthand experiences. And um, what I kind of found out is that the snake and infinities, a lot of people have this vision or they see some things like that and also some of the ancient cultures that use these types of spiritual plants. Right. Like the, the serpent is also a very powerful symbol to them. So I was mm-hmm. wondering, um, are, are, these th- uh, are these three things, like, related as far as the serpent, infinity, and the Anunnaki? Are the Anunnaki, um, do they have a direct connection to the serpent or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Well, you want to... yes, they do. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry, Brother Benito. You probably know more on this than I do, but well, from no, what I know, yes. Yeah. Yes, I mean, you can touch on it. Uh, I'll add something to it, but you can definitely touch on it. Definitely yes, brother. Definitely question to that is yes. Um, You can go dealing with the serpent. Now, the reason why, have you um, ever tuned in when we were uh, talking to Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum? Have you ever tuned in on any of those shows? Yeah, I've I've uh, listened to the past recordings. Okay. Uh, We haven't really touched too much on that, but he gets heavily into it. Serpent power is definitely connected to all these cultures. And, and when you mentioned the hallucinogens and the herbs, um, you know, he, he was talking about, we were discussing last week, um, yes, some of these, some of these uh, natural herbs slash hallucinogens are used to con- for you to go deep down into your subconscious because like uh, Brother Ravana Noon was just saying and like we were all just talking about a few minutes ago, in order to set out to do any great spiritual work, uh, the subconscious mind has to be reprogrammed. So you have to reconnect with all of your worst fears that are embedded in your subconscious. So you'll find this even the, dealing with the power of the serpent and dealing with some of these plants, these rituals are enacted so you can conquer those fears. So whatever demons, like Brother Ravana Noon was just saying a while ago, you're manifesting them through your subconscious. It's programmed in there. So, yes, you have to link with all that. There's definitely a connection there, and there's, there's been definitely priesthoods and rituals that are connected to this for sure. So, so most definitely there is a connection there. Uh, Sister Vera, do you want to, you could add to that if you want. Yes, that's exactly perfect what you said. Exactly. Uh, Brother Ron, I don't know if you want to touch on that real quick. Yeah. Um, well, when we look at, uh, actually, no, I'm good. <laughs> My mind went blank completely. Blank. Your mind went blank. But yeah, you, but just so you understand, brother, um, it, there's definitely, definitely a connection there because you can't undertake any great spiritual work. No great spiritual work can be undertaken until the subconscious mind is reprogramming. Now, serpent power. Um, I don't know if you have Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum's book, but serpent power. He explained on the last show. He broke down the symbol of the snake and the serpent and the kundalini. Okay, we were, if you look for at the catechist is what he was talking about. He didn't use that term. But if you look at the medical symbol to show, it, it, was, it was breaking down the different helix energies or the kundalini rising. If you look at the medical symbol, it, it shows the staff with serpents interwined around it. That's what they call the catechist symbol in the medical right. field. Okay, so this science of basically the whole serpent energy and dealing with the serpent uh, or serpentine uh, energy or priesthood was the science of raising the kundalini energy. Now, last week we talked about that process through tantric sex magic, uh, but not just that. Um, Dr. Bynum was also breaking down. It can be done through the raising and the vibration of the drums, for an example. It could be done through mantras. Um, there's many different means. It could be done through hallucinogens 
and plants. And it can also be done through, as we talked about last week, tantric sex. So it's basically the serpent power. One aspect of it deals with raising the kundalini or kundalini energy, depending on how you pronounce it. So, yes, because you could even look at staff in some pictures when dealing with the Anunnaki. If you look at the staff of Enlil, he'll have that same symbol in some art forms depicted when you see some drawings. So it's showing you that there's a connection there. Now, we, we, we got to get in our minds, like I said earlier, this whole negative good and bad thing out of our minds. Everything is connected. They're just different degrees of vibration and energy. There is no such thing as good or bad, evil or negativity. It's just different degrees of vibration and separation that we create in the mind. That's it. Um, but I just want to throw that out there. I don't know if you had any more wow. questions for me, Mr. Um, that all that stuff is just crazy because it all adds up for me, like being, you know, facing your fears and doing all that stuff because I've been there. So, I mean, I've, I've experimented with a lot of this stuff myself. Right. And when it, when I hear and, you know, you guys validate that information, it just blows me away because it all makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even, even go back to the native Americans, the shamans, they do the same thing. When you get initiated in the shaman priesthood, there you go. So I, it, yeah, I remember yeah. now. I'm ready. Yeah, go ahead, brother. <laughs> yeah, I also wanted to add on because um, if you look at, let's go to traditional African tribes and dancing. If you ever notice in traditional African tribes and dancing, they they move their hips in a circular fashion. This is this is actually cultivating that serpent energy. Because the serpent energy is not just found in the human body, but it actually is found in the earth. That's right. The planet Earth itself has this kundalini energy or serpent energy that rises from the earth in a, in a double helix fashion. Right. Now, notice that in 1953, uh, I think his name was Frick, or yeah, Frick, it was a scientist named Frick. He actually found the DNA is also in a double helix fashion, like the intertwined serpent. That right. rises from your lower self, your root chakra area upwards, and the DNA is also in that shape. So it, the ancient ones knew about the serpent energy and the power behind the serpent energy. They also knew how to cultivate that energy. But what, what has happened is through religion, the serpent became synonymous with evil or wrong. But if you look closely within that whole story, which basically goes back to Genesis chapter 3, if you look at that whole story from that part where it's speaking about the serpent speaking to Eve, it wasn't the serpent who lied. It was the serpent who said the truth. In that version, God lied. The serpent said the truth. And this is why in ancient uh, biblical times, the serpent was actually revered and connected to Lucifer, who, as you know, Masons consider the real God and not the false God, because it was the serpent who came to bring the truth to the humans. But in the faithful, blind, religious, Christian aspect, the serpent became synonymous with evil, because they don't really read the story. So this is where the evil step of the serpent came from. But all ancient cultures utilize the serpent, learn to cultivate the serpent energy, and use it to raise it up to alter, stay in higher states of consciousness. And we can go on to any culture on this planet. 
from Native American to African to Asian, they all dealt with the serpent or the dragon. And it, the serpent or the dragon was also symbolic of your inner self, your cave where your uh, hidden treasures are, but they're coated over or buried under dirt from our fearful or our, our doubts, our worries, and our insecurities. So I just wanted to add that part on. So could you also kind of refer to it as like a primal energy almost? Exactly. It is, it is the ultimate primal energy. It is where everything actually began at. Um, there's wow. a book called Serpent Serpent of Light Beyond 2012, written by Travalo Melchizedek, where he actually goes in and describes the serpent energy or the kundalini energy of the planet Earth and how it actually circulates upward and actually helps activate the human kundalini energy as well. It actually connects with the two. And this actually, occurred according to what he stated, was going to happen in the year 2012 um, and was going to help increase everybody's kundalini. And those who had done the work and were, you know, more conscious of it, they would experience a higher level of consciousness than the average person. Appreciate that, brother. Does that answer your question, brother? Yeah, perfectly. Thank you guys for all the work you guys do. I've been tuning in. Like I said, um, I kind of actually stumbled upon you, Brother Benici, by researching the monoatomic gold. So I think it's kind of funny, but like you guys said, that stuff doesn't happen for no reason at all. So, you know. And what's your geographic location, brother, just so we know where you're calling from? Um, well, this I'm on a Michigan phone uh, area code, but I'm actually located in California, Southern California. Appreciate it. Appreciate you tuning in, man. Keep listening, brother. No problem. All right. Thanks for the call. All right. Peace. All right, sister. We got one more call from you. Uh, we got, I believe, uh, Buffalo. This this will be the last call for Sister Vera. Uh, we got Buffalo, New York, Northwest New York. You're on the call. Oh shoot. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can. Yeah. You go ahead. Okay. Hey, no, I, I, you know, I did come in kind of late, but I was listening to y'all, and then I enjoy each time y'all um, have y'all show because, you know, you're so knowledgeable, and I appreciate your brother and Sister Vera too with her um, book and you know the information she provides people too. But you know, people don't realize that um, Earth, Earth itself, Gib, Q, what name you want to call our ship, is a spaceship. I don't. I don't know why people don't understand. It's a spaceship, mm-hmm. a living ark. They be looking for the ark. I'm like the ark is. You're, you're in the ark. That's a good point. You want to touch yeah. on that, sister? Yes, it actually does make a lot of sense. There are many people that even say the planet Nibiru is really not a planet. It's really a big spaceship. It's really an arc, and in fact, they even say that all of the other planetary systems and the planets are also um, just huge spaceships that are just um, hovering in space. And so, yeah, what we, you're saying is, you, I think you're onto something. <laughs> I mean, we have a core. I mean, it, you know, we have a core, and you know, and I'll just look at all the things that they do to our arc. You know, that's kind of treacherous. I know, you know, I'm I'm, I'm understanding you know, finding myself and raising my level and everything. But I also can see what these other beings are doing. So, and I'm sure everybody else can too. And, I mean, this is our ship. I mean, I, I feel like, why should we give our ship up? I mean, it was, we here. We here. 
I mean, why should we just let, let everything go, fuck it, everything? I mean, it's our ship. That don't necessarily mean that our ship has to be blown up because I don't believe that. You know what I'm saying? And I don't believe, uh, I just don't believe that our, our they want this ship because mm-hmm. of its abilities and the minerals and all the things that they can use. You know what I'm saying? They want this, but, you know... Hey, that, that, that's just my thing, you know. And now we can yeah. see why why Africa has been raped for so long because Africa possesses most of the minerals and the gold and all of those things there. That's why they chose that part of the land. Even the history of apartheid stems back to the Anunnaki. It's just right. amazing, you know. And, and you were saying this planet is ours. This is our spaceship. And ours. you're so right. And, and I just don't see the logic in the fact that we have to pay to be on our own planet. You know, so and now there's some currency. Yeah, right. And then we came down here. We happened to choose this. We came here. This is our ark. I mean, mm. hey, once we came through the darkness, once we yes. came through the darkness and we was in the light, <laughs> it came from the darkness to the light, you know what I'm saying? And, and this is our ship. That's it. Wow. All right. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. All right. Much love. Much love. Much love, man. As always, appreciate the call. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, what we're going to do now, uh, before again, uh, Sister Vera, you're more than welcome to stay. We'll keep you unmuted for as long as you stay on. And if you, uh, you know, you want to interject and give any commentary, and if, if people have any more questions for the sister through the night as we continue, feel free, but we're, we're, we're going to go into the second portion of our show. But before we do that, uh, just to let you know, since we got some people who want to give us some shout-outs from them, we got some people listening from the Caribbean, St. Vincent, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it, Grenadines. I don't know where that's at, but they're typing it in. Uh, we got people overseas listening in. I see you guys typing in. Uh, again, some of the people from overseas and in the Caribbean, they can't get on the call, so they just listen live online. And even some of the people typing in the questions. So we appreciate the Caribbean family tuning in. Uh, I know one 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 brother, I believe that's uh, brother Mike Seth Apner. I guess the the connection's not the greatest, but he's here in the show um, over there in St. Vincent. So we appreciate you guys tuning in over that way. Um, and one more time, sister, if you just give uh, the listeners your YouTube page and and where to get the book before we uh, go into the second portion of the show. Sure. My YouTube channel is Vera747, and I just started in another channel, and it's called Anunnaki Everything. So Anunnaki Everything, Vera747, and just like the name Anunnaki Everything, that's what I'll be connecting everything to the Anunnaki. And my book, again, is The Age of I Know, Unmasking the Magicians, the Bible, the Bible Exposed, and you can find that on Amazon. All right. Hey, sis, once again, definitely appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, you too, brothers. No, nah, no, we appreciate it. And again, feel free to stay as long as you can. Uh, and if you can, we understand. But again, if you want to interject, feel free to add commentary. Uh, brother Sargidi, are you there, brother? I know you're there, brother. Brother Sargidi fell asleep. Yep. All right, brother. I know, you, I know you're there, brother. We're on the second portion of the show. You can wake up, brother. I know, I know, you, I know you just got off of work. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing good. All right, all right. So now we're gonna move into the second portion of the show. We're gonna we're gonna deal with now. We're gonna talk a little bit about uh, spiritual alchemy, self transformation. Kind of kind of a prelude to uh, next week's show with Brother Panic. And again, 
just to give everybody the heads up, uh, I said it in the beginning of the show, when Brother Panic does a show, we go the maximum five hours. So I'm, I'm, when I tell you that show is going to be five hours, I'm telling you that show is going to be five hours. I'm not even exaggerating. I'm not. Um, Brother Panic stays on until the radio kicks us off. That's how long the show goes, literally. So uh, when I'm saying it, I'm not trying to be funny. Make sure you've eaten something. Uh, make sure you're prepared if you don't want to miss any portion of the show. Because um, every time we do a show with Brother Panic, it's a very, very uh, energetic show, uh, very entertaining. And it definitely opens people's consciousness up on, on a whole different level. So I uh, wanted to put that out there. Uh, and just a reminder also, uh, the following week we'll have Dr. Phil Valentine back on the show. And then the week after that, we're going to have Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum coming back on the show. Um, and then obviously we'll do our after shows. After all those shows, we, we stay on the line and kind of dialogue like we're going to do right now. Um, so I got brothers here. I still got Sister Vera with us, too, so she could stay with us, too, for a feminine perspective. Um, having what we talked about tonight, brothers, let's talk a little bit about and, and, and kind of take this now, as we were saying, eliminating all the spookism. But let's let's get Brother Sargidi in here real quick. I know you've been uh, listening in for a while, and we haven't had to get a chance to get you in. Um, so I don't know if there's anything you want to uh, comment on, brother, something you might want to add. Uh, feel free. No, I'm good right now. You good? You, you good, Barry? Barry White's good, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now, the key, what we were talking about earlier, brother, let's kind, of tap, let's kind of tap into that a little bit more in depth and in detail. Now, the sad thing is, even though all the information we talked about tonight, is, unfortunately, melanated people still suffer from a disease called ignorance, unfortunately. Ignorance runs rapid. Um, People still, like I said earlier, people scream for change. Everybody claims they want change, but I, I come to the realization and found out that basically people don't want change. They want somebody else to do the shit for them. Uh, they're more, it's more easy to follow somebody. And we talked about earlier, and because of similar experiences from what uh, Sister Vera was talking about earlier, for an example, people that are stuck in these organizations and these groups. And, 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 you know, they think that their particular group or organization's got a lock on the truth. And, you know, that if you don't follow their organization to a T, you're not going to get to the promised land. Be whatever it might be. Some might call it heaven. Some might call it risk. Some might call it Nibiru, the mothership. Whatever you need to call it. But let's eliminate the spookism because are these stories literal? Are they symbolic? Were they a representation of a bigger scheme of things? Because, for an example, as Dr. Edward Bruce Byron talked about a couple of weeks ago, when you go into the, the Papyrus of Ani, for an example, and you read the stories that they were trying to get across when dealing with the internal war that goes on in your DNA. Now, I mentioned earlier, when we're talking about alchemy and self-transformation, the biggest mistake one can make is go outside themselves looking for the answers to life's questions, the universe, creation, and their existence. You'll never find it if you look to any external force. And the reason why I said earlier, if you stay up under a leader or a teacher forever, okay, you will never, ever make that transformation. It will never happen. Because as long as you're subservient or under something or somebody, you'll never make that transformation. Let's touch a little bit on that. So when we talk about spiritual alchemy, it's likened in ancient Egypt to the philosopher's stone. You have literal alchemy where it's the science of transferring lead-based metals 
into a liquid form. This is not talking about that alchemy. That's symbolic of the alchemy of transferring your DNA and making that cell transformation, as we talked about in earlier shows we did a while back on the Emerald Tablets of Tahuti, for an example, explains how one can transfer their DNA and actually raise themselves up, basically another system of, of raising their kundalini energy. So let's touch a little bit on that, brothers. Uh, I don't know if you want to go first, brother. Go ahead. Sure. Um, one of the major aspects that I think people are not realizing is that whenever you deal with any spiritual work, what is the intention you have behind the work? This is very important because some people say, well, I want to meditate to, you know, uh, get some superpowers. But what they're not realizing is that's counterproductive to meditation. Meditation is to transcend the ego. So when you go into meditation and you say, well, I want some superpowers, you're working on the ego. So how are you transcending it? Understand that it's important what your intention is. Because behind the intention, that is where your thought is manifested or channeled to, which then can lead to the proper elevation through your work. Now, for example, I'll give you an example. Many times, let's say in social media, we have, uh, as Brother Benini says, we have the disease of ignorance. I'd like to call it a disease of delusions. Very delusional. Uh, some people will proclaim that, you know, they are the incarnation or the conscious incarnation, whatever the hell they say, the incarnation of the Pharaoh Shashank. Uh-huh. and in Islam known as Rafiq, and in Hebrew known as Samuel. Now, this is a delusion, because your ass is not an incarnation of anything but who you are. That's right. You are who you are, and you were born that way. And the problem is social media is very, very infamous for activating our our insecurities, our delusions, and anything else to the extreme. What I mean by that is most people on Facebook have an alter ego. They have an alter ego because they created a, a, a new persona, a new personality type, and a new person. Now, notice that 90% of the chance you will never meet most of the people on Facebook, on Google+, or any other social media. Notice how you can have over a 1,000 friends, but you only really talk to 15 or 20 of them. <laughs> yes, I didn't notice this now. Yet, we post pictures of ourselves meditating. For what? Uh-huh. Is, it for your, is it for yourself? Or is Very it for a hundred people to like your picture because they think Brother, that, brother, that flash activates my pineal gland, brother. Yeah. Sticking <laughs> a banana in your ass activates kundalini too. But anyway. So the problem is that 
now we have this delusional mindset, and we have people posing and and meditating and taking pictures, and and it, it becomes a problem to your spiritual work. You may not think so now, but it does. And let me explain what I mean. We're not new jacks on this phone to this spiritual work. We're not new well, jacks. I, I, I want to add on. You remember that one brother that was in the temple, and, and he did the transcendental meditation. Dang <laughs> it. You remember that, Mike? I remember it. I remember it, brother. So, now here's, here's, here's the problem. And we're saying this because people, yeah, that, that we, may new. we may be new to you all listening to this, but myself, Brother Beniti, we've been doing this work for over 25 years. Brother Asar has been doing this since he was probably a little toddler in diapers. Yeah. Maybe not diapers. Maybe he has some 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 uh, Hanes boxer brief superhero ones. But anyway, he was running around <laughs> trying to meditate while he had a pacifier in his mouth. But the the point is that we've been on this journey for a long time. So when we tell you things on this show, you best believe we did it ourselves. <laughs> Why do you think we know about the delusions? Why do you think we understand about the whole costume and wearing this big, you know, uh, you're wearing your dashikis and you have a ankh the size. Don't, don't, don't get us started on that shit, nigga. Yeah. You have, you know, um, and, uh, uh, you, you, you just can't have an ankh. You can't have a size of Flavor Flav's clocks. Like, it yeah, means, it's, really, <laughs> it's really beyond delusion. It's really beyond stupidity at times. But this is what we do. And the problem with that is that your alter ego is going to always manifest when the spiritual work is to transcend your ego. So the alter ego will still keep you in the ego state of mind. Now, let me repeat that one more time. Your alter ego will still keep you in the ego state of mind. Right. Because it's an alter ego that you created to transcend your mundane existence. And um, Brother Ravana Noon, Brother Ravana Noon, just to back up what you said a minute ago, because I know me and you, me and you, we, we talked about this a couple of days ago. Like when you were talking about these people getting on Facebook, social media, claiming they're an inc- I mean, you got Negroes everywhere saying they're an incarnation of Melchizedek. This nigga's an incarnation of Murduk, this, 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 this uh, whatever. But well, you know what the reality is? We discussed this, and I want to back up because, like you said, this is these are individuals that are afraid to recognize the greatness of who they really are themselves. So this is an insecurity that comes out in these individuals because they have to gravitate to something again, once again, outside themselves. They cannot because they'll be afraid of what they contact when they truly understand the true self. So it's convenient for them to say I'm an incarnation of something that's already been established that they believe that they can identify with. Because it's always some Negro in the past they're an incarnation of. And that's pure Negroes that feel like they got to be an incarnation of something to validate who and what they are. Because they do not understand or recognize 
that they are all of those things. They're, they're all those pharaohs of the past, all those great deities, all these great cultures, they are all those things and all those things are them. But where they fuck up is when they separate themselves and claim to be an incarnation of one. Now we got a problem. Because now here we go again with the same old mind fuck that all these organizations and, and leaders do because it's permanent. On, on, on all these modern-day organizations you got in the last 20, 30 years, be it the Black Hebrew Israelites, the Nawabians, slash Ansars, the Nation of Islam, it, first it becomes about the information, then it becomes about the leader. And this is all part hey, of the brother, I'm, I'm going to make sure to put the green light around you in the picture, brother. Yeah, yeah, brother. That's, that's what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the problem becomes. Then it's no longer about, it's no longer about knowledge of self, it now becomes about, it shifts away from that to now all the energy is focused on the leader. And this is why most of these people that you're talking about, brother, on Facebook, at one point or another, and most of them have branched off from these organizations because their egos weren't getting fed there, so now these Negroes break off and they start their own shit, and then they say, I'm an incarnation of this and that. It's all it's all the same shit, but I just wanted to throw that in there, brother. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, the, I'm the angel Gabriel, brother. I'm the angel Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, brother. That's it. You're the angel Gabriel. <laughs> I'm I'm the incarnation of JJ from Good Times. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, no, 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 the second part of the show is entitled Spiritual Alchemy. What is alchemy? The alchemy is the great work. What is the great work? Transmuting yourself from this to the next level of existence or transmuting your thoughts from one existent uh, thought pattern to another thought pattern that is beneficial for you. So it can be transcending thoughts that can be negative and learning how to utilize it or those thoughts or those patterns and learning how to transmute it to become beneficial for you. Now, this is important because I don't understand how calling yourself Melchizedek Jr. can actually <laughs> anything but your further delusions. It's only going to transmit your further delusions on and on and on when real alchemy is dealing with the bullshit that you don't deal with. Now, so many times on Facebook, social media, media, television, I hear people constantly say over and over and over the problems of the world. Over and over and over, they're blaming someone else for their existence. I don't care if it's black people blaming white, white people blaming black, Latinos blaming everybody. I don't give a damn who it is. People are constantly blaming somebody else for their present condition, for their present problem. I have news for you all. I don't care if you personally like me, don't like me. We're still going to speak from experience what we perceive as our truth. From experience of over 25 years walking on any path and all paths, let me tell you that at the end of the day, when you get to this point in time, this many years into the work, you realize there's only one person to blame for everything in your life. You. The white man, brother, the white man. He's responsible for everything. Yeah, that's the, the white
height of the soles of your feet is responsible because that's the, that's the nigga that walked into the wrong place. But anyway, this is the problem. We're always ready to blame other people, but never take responsibility. Now, here's what here's here's something interesting. How can you be conscious, but yet systematically still be programmed and under mind control? This is what I mean. A marriage happened. Great. Supreme Court said people can get married who are gay. That's great. That's personally, I don't care who does what and what does who. It has nothing to do with me. Automatically, you have two, three different frames of thought. Now, let's go into this. You have the frame of thought of gay bashing. Oh, the gay this or the gay that. Personally, if you're gay bashing, I think you're gay. Well, first don't say why. Because the very people who spend all their time hating on a person is usually because you want to be like that person. Mm-hmm. So a lot hey, of brother, time, Hey, brother, it's the Mexican fault why I can't get a job, brother. That's right, brother. They, they bring drugs and, re- and they're raping all the women, brother. Yes, that's <laughs> So these gay people, that's their choice. That's their preference. It has nothing to do with me, you, or anybody else. They're not trying to fuck you, and if they are trying to fuck you, are you letting them or are you wanting them to? That's the there problem. Because if if they're not affecting you personally in your personal life, why have an issue with it? That's one. Two, then you have all these Facebook people who support gay marriage, and all of them put a, uh, these rainbow flags on their profile. Now, here's what's funny. We come to find out that it was all a test to see how many people would easily be manipulated and programmed to change their profile to the rainbow profile so in support of gay marriage. Now, here come the other idiots, the RBG niggas, and they start posting their red, black, and green flag everywhere. Yeah. In contrast to the gay rainbow flag. Now, what's funny is you're both under mind control because if you feel you have to respond to somebody else, you're under mind control. Well, what do you mean? I shouldn't respond? I didn't say you shouldn't. I just said if you feel you have to, that means That's you're right. still in a system of mind control. Remember this and remember this well. A person's behavior is about them, and your behavior is about you. If you give in to somebody's behavior, then you become their ma- uh, their servant. They become your master. Understand, the minute you give in to somebody else's behavior, you're no longer in control. They can manipulate you any which way they want to. So if we constantly are responding to each other because I don't like gay people, so I'm going to put my red, black, and green flag up there, you're still under a system of control and manipulation. You don't see it like that yet because you're still in degrees deep of stupidity or degrees deep of pro-blackness or degrees deep of whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, it doesn't make a difference because... When you transcend and reach higher states of consciousness and reach a different state of meditation, a deeper state of meditation, you will realize at that moment, at that moment, that red, black, green, purple, orange, or white does not even exist. It is all how we perceive it based upon light bouncing and reflecting off of an object and whatever color is visually moving faster through that spectrum bounces quicker to you. That's what you'll get to. You'll understand that all of that doesn't make a difference. 
Correct. You understand as you do more spiritual work and you do astral projection or you do channeling or things or whatever, you float your boat. You understand that even a white person, as a black person, you'll channel a white person and they will teach you some things. Mm. You'll start getting past color. You start understanding the difference. No, no, brother, you can't teach me anything. It's the devil, brother. It's the devil. Yeah. Well, guess what? But that's guess a that's what? a good that's a good point, brother. Like like, like you said, because we say we're dealing with spiritual energy, you know, and people don't understand that. And 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 I know some people might not, or or we'll take out of context what you just said, brother, when you said looking past color. We're not saying, and let's get this straight. We're not saying it erases history. We're not saying it changes what some Europeans have done over the course of history. But also, let's also look into history. It's not just Europeans. Because we're stuck on this whole, and I'm glad you brought that up, brother. We're stuck on this whole concept in the conscious community. And like I said before, if most of these Negroes that are on doing lectures and teaching and you go on all these social media sites, YouTube, if they stop talking about how the white man is the devil, I said this before, they wouldn't have shit to talk about. They're not teaching you anything beneficial. They know nothing about spiritual alchemy. They know nothing about ancestral magic, working with the spirits, working with the ancestors, working with the occult world, for lack of a better word, whatever term you can relate to. All they want to do is get up there and scream and yell about what the white man and the devil did to you. And, you know, then niggas, egos get all pumped up. They start feeling good. And now they've been pumped up subconsciously with the reason why I'm a failure in life is because of the white man. Not the fact that you're a lazy-ass Negro that don't want to do anything. That has nothing to do with it, you know. That has nothing to do with it. But the reason why you ain't got no money, your life is a mess, you got a shitty house that you live in, you're driving a piece of shit car, that's all the white man's fault, brother. You understand? So it's easier rather than to do, rather than really take the time out and do the spiritual work, as we say on this show, do the work. No, forget that. It's just easy to take the cop out and say the reason why everything is like it is is because it's the white man's fault. And then pump your ego up with a bunch of shit back in the day, how great and glorious we were back in Egypt, blah, 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 blah. That shit is old. It's tired. It's outdated. And and I'm going to say something that Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum said last week. If we don't take the information from the past during those times and update it to today, the shit is useless. So you can put on a big-ass onk. You can put on the most colorful dashiki. You can walk around with the most vainglorious-looking African staff and claim Africa this, Egypt that. But, Negro, if you ain't a living example of the work, shut the fuck up because that stuff is useless, and it's also part of the spell. The same way Europeans are enforcing Christianity on us, we got black conscious coonism being forced on us too because this is the reality of what people don't want to address. But if I could, real quick, brothers, on this subject, I want to take an excerpt out of a book since we're talking about alchemy. Now, we used this book uh, on one of the very first, might, might have been the first or the second show. Um, but I want to go to a book that anybody can get, you know, because unlike some organizations, they don't tell you where they get their sources so they can make it look like they're the ones that came up with the source. You know how that shit goes. <laughs> this book is called The Emerald Tablet. Alchemy for Personal Transformation. It was written by Dennis William Huck. You can get this on Amazon for like five, six bucks used. Um, and that's one thing I respect Brother Panic about. Brother Panic will always give all his sources. 
because you got those Negroes that want to make it look like I came up with it originally. But anyway, um, I'm going to go to page 43. We're dealing with alchemy. And this, this kind of deals with the doctrine of mentalism and dealing with the seven principles of Tehuti. All right? And it says, we are all of one mind. It's confirming what Ravana Noon just said. We are all of one mind. Though it has not yet dawned on you, and all questions and all answers are known to the one mind, thus known to you, yet your sight is veiled, and you perceive only the shadows and not their source. I speak from the light. This is Tahuti speaking in the Emerald Towers. As one who has seen, and though residing in shadow and in light, we are all still of one mind. Then it goes on to say, the question that's asked, we mean no insult, but why would we believe you? After all, you are known as a notorious trickster. Now, there's a connection with Alegua and the Yoruba culture there, but we ain't going to build on that right now. To trick those who hide is no deceit. Some of those who are foolish or fearful may even enter into the light and see with their own eyes and verify these truths themselves and finally serve the alchemy of their being. Nor would it be possible to lie when speaking of these highest things, for they are the thoughts of only one mind. And I'm going to finish with this one. Now, you see how everything is connected, nothing outside of self. This is what the seven principles of the Huti and spiritual alchemy were teaching. It goes on to say, you keep mentioning this one mind. Do you mean God? Here comes, watch this. The gods you worship are all part of the one mind. Let me say that, that again. Not outside yeah. yourself. Not, I'm going to go get a big-ass statue of Ra and put it on my altar and pretend like that's some highly venerated band, and I'm going to give homage <laughs> to it. That's not what the shit said. But you got Negroes doing this. It says again, the gods you worship are all part of the one mind, but because, but because you must name your gods. Now, he's speaking to humans. Because you must name your gods, and you cannot know God. Let me say that again. Because humans must name their gods, yet they cannot know God if they do that. By naming God, here's a deep part. By naming God, you only create yet another God. Let me say that shit again. Say it again, bro. By, by, <laughs> by naming God, you only create yet another God. Okay? And then it finishes with, only by being in the ineffable presence of the divine can you know the one God. That's and right. for that reason, I do not call God by name, but refer only to where God can be found, and that's in the one mind. All right? Amen, brother. Amen. Amen, brother. I'm going to get, I'm gonna get like somebody to read for Amen, me. Like, Amen, Amen. So, so, so you can yell. You know, you got to yell like they do on the street corner, you know, to make it look really spooky. <laughs> <laughs> We'll go to excerpts from that. Now, since we brought that topic Turn up. To Matthew brother, chapter 10, verse 2. Matthew chapter 10, verse 15. You should be a baboon. Yeah. And the Lord, thank God, I said it. But anyway, I think that kind of sums up in a nutshell. And we're talking about spiritual alchemy. And we were talking about earlier that nothing exists outside the self. And Brother Ravana knew Though he just made a statement, I think it went over people's heads. I, I felt it spiritually that it went over people's heads because it wasn't meant on no peace and love shit and hug trees and kumbaya and let's hold hands. That's not what we're talking about. 
What we're talking about is the shit that we make irrelevant is irrelevant. If you respond to these individuals, and that's what we mean when we say you're either part of the experiment or you're controlling the experiment, and that's why me, per se, on social media, if I don't respond back to you, that's because it's not worth my energy, not because I really give a fuck and don't take that personally. It's just whatever is worth dialoguing about that's going to lead to something positive and it's going to actually evolve and grow consciousness, I respond. But I'm not going to get into no stupid debate over religion and garbage because that's, we're transcending past that. If some individuals still feel the need to get into a debate, because any one of us brothers on this call, from front to back, Bible, Quran, we could sit here to the wee hours of the morning and rip you apart head to toe on it. We were reared in that shit. We, 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 grew, we grew up on that stuff. But we're past it now. Blow, so there's blow, no blowing that Hebrew horn and everything, nigga. That's it, brother. That's it. There's no need to let <laughs> these spiritual vampires suck the energy and the life out of you. So we'll get to more excerpts of that later as we go on through the show because we're gonna we're dealing with alchemy, which is all connected to the mind. You connect to these deities through the mind. They're not outside of you. So you, we got to get that stupid illusion that Ra exists outside of us. That, that ISIS or asset exists outside of us. That these fools walking around thinking they are Shango and Obatala. That's, that's, the, that's the number one mistake you can make. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't set up a temple to the sun, brother? No, no, brother. You can't do that. But <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to throw that, I wanted to throw that in there. Um, I don't know if you brothers want to touch on that at all. Sure, brother. Sure. Uh, well, anyways, like um, the, the, the most important aspect of what you just read from that excerpt, I think, punched a lot of people in the face. I felt it. Mm-hmm. My face got punched, too, but anyways. You felt, felt the spirit, brother? You felt the spirit? felt the spirit of God, brother. But anyways, <laughs> it's important to understand that, uh, okay, I'll say it this way. And this this is also going for per person, per person. If you define a person, you limit that person. But mm-hmm. in defining that person, you also create that person. Mm, now, that's the paradox of the universe. Understand that. Let me say that one more time. Let me say it one more say time, brother. Say it again, say it again. If you define a person, you limit that person. I mean, sorry. If you define a person, you create that person. Right. In creating that person, you limit that person. Now, let me break down what that means in case some of y'all might not understand. The American society has a habit of defining everything in freaking existence. If my toe moves erratically, then they have a, syn- a syndrome from it, you know. It's called twitchy twitchy toe syndrome or some crap, and you can get a new pill for that. You know, you notice they define every goddamn thing there is out there, right? Right. But, see, in defining that, I create something because I create this whole concept of what this thing could possibly be. So when I create this whole concept behind it, see, it's this now nice, neat, new package that you have to fit inside of. So then that's what I mean by it limits you because now it's limiting the person of who or what you really are. And they can never truly understand who you really are because they don't know you. 
What's funny is Melchizedek, Rafik, Brother Shashank, whoever the hell was that was trying to tell me about myself on a post, when this post <laughs> had nothing to do with what the hell these, this Negro was talking about. He just wanted to show his ego. Brother, she stunk, brother. Brother, she stunk, that's his name. Whatever his name is. <laughs> Solomon, Solomon, Holloman, Solomon, some crap. But anyways, this idiot <laughs> tell me about myself and says, because I'm not an elder, I don't have empathy yet. I said, how does that got to do with being an elder? Shit, goddamn, I'm not a little kid. I'm 44. I'm not saying I'm freaking 60 or 70, but I'm 44. I done lived a nice little life where I can learn and experience plenty of things to see things. An elder gets gets my respect because of the experiences they have. That don't mean that the elder knows more than you. Don't ever twist that. And, 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 and you know, people like to use that shit to their advantage. I'm an elder. So what? Well, brother, it's, an elder. it's not an elder. Brother, it's not an elder in age. Let's establish that. You're an elder. You can be... 25 years old and be an elder. It's an elder based on the level of knowledge you've obtained. Exactly. Let's establish that shit. So exactly. just because you're 68 years old and call yourself Shishank, whatever the hell this Negro is calling himself, ask, let's establish that. You're an elder based on your level of wisdom. But anyway, go ahead, bro. Right. So in the fact that now, okay, this is created. You created a whole concept behind that definition. The problem is, if I create a concept behind that definition, I limit that very thing. And this is what people do all the time. And this is basically what Tahuti is saying in that alchemical breakdown of the one mind. That we create gods as human beings. But because we create these gods or God, then we limit and can never understand what this God really is. Because we want to define it. So understand now, this goes for each and every one of you. If you define yourself as Shishank, <laughs> then what you just did is you created this alter ego, but you limited yourself at the same time because now that means you really don't know who you are. I don't have to have a title like Shishank to be myself. I can have a regular damn name. People don't understand Ravana is not a fucking mystical god name. It's not some spooky-ass creature flying around, some great Hindu god or some shit. Ravana was just a name. It was just a name, and it meant adorable child. I think I'm adorable. So get over it if you don't like it. Anyway, <laughs> the reality is that people have to understand this shit, Okay. You cannot go around and keep trying to define everything because in the process, you're going to eventually limit everything. And that is what Tahuti is saying. We can never un truly understand God because we're still trying to create Ra, Obatala, and right. to have the biggest Obatala statue on our altar. You know, not only that, but, you know, then you got to get it consecrated. You got to get the blood ritual on there, you know, the herbs. You know, that's you got to do the whole goddamn thing. It's a goddamn statue. I just want to make an announcement. I just want to make an announcement. I'm an official incarnation of Michael Jackson starting today. Okay, it's one of those things. You gotta wear your you gotta wear your you gloves know. from here on out when you do the show. You gotta hey. have your shiny gloves and you gotta move off while we're talking. 
You got to do your moonwalk ritual, brother. That's a full moon tonight. Yeah, brother. Right, but yeah. I do that. But anyway, so this is the problem. So now we do all these things to the statue. The statue. You hear me? The statue. Like, mm-hmm. we expect the statue to wake up and walk and shake our hands one day. Like, this is what people really think. I mean, you have, have you ever heard what people say? Oh, Oshun is mad at me. What the fuck is she mad at you for? It's a statue. <laughs> it's a damn statue. I didn't feed her today. Really? That motherfucker yeah. ate? Yeah. Oshun ate today. <laughs> when you were gone, when you were gone, the statue opened up her mouth and ate some of the food. So when you came back, it was gone. Yeah, it's called decompensation. Decompensation. The earth decomposes on its own. Nature decomposes things by bacteria and things on its own. Jeez, stop spooking the hell out, people. That's it. That's, that's a good point. Uh, Sister Vera, I know you're still there. Do you have anything you want to comment on? I know you've been listening. I'm learning more by listening than speaking. Thank you. <laughs> All right, no problem. Um, let's go back real quick, brothers, to the book. A couple more phrases. This will give us information to build on. Continuing on this subject, and I find this 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 one this going to get good here, man. All right, it goes on to say it's going to get good. It goes on to say, check this out. If God is in the one mind, which is above, then the devil must be in the one thing, which is below. Aren't the above and below simply what we conceive of as heaven and hell? Watch the answer to this one. Such labels are inventions, this is Tahuti's response in the Emerald Tablets, such labels are inventions that serve worldly ends. So basically, what is he telling them? You made this shit up. Watch. For the true above and below are living things beyond description. In my tablet have I revealed all that can be spoken of these unlimited regions. The above is the abode of the one mind, and the below is the abode of one thing. You need know nothing more because nothing more is knowable. You cannot label the ineffable. Work instead with the... Te- Let me say that again, back up. You cannot label the ineffable. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. Work instead with the tiny spark of consciousness of which you are possessed. He didn't say an abundance. He said the tiny spark of consciousness which you are possessed. That spark can be fanned into a blazing gnosis that burns away the falsity of your tragic self-deception. Damn. Thereafter, can you verify for yourself that of which I speak? You can behold the one mind. You can touch the one thing. Now, before I continue, to take away the spookism of what Tehuti is, let's let's go back real quick. This is is important. What is the concept of Tehuti? Let's go back. Tehuti is impossible to categorize because he transcends everything we normally think about as gods and men. At first glance, he seems a simple personification of the powers of logic, for he was said to be responsible for teaching men how to interpret things, arrange their speech in logical patterns, and write down their thoughts. As the inventor of hieroglyphics, Tehuti instituted record-keeping and founded the science of mathematics, astronomy, and medicine. However, there are clues in the many alternative names for this god. Then it goes on. Reckoner of the universe, the source of all natural law, shepherd of men, vehicle of knowledge, 
The list goes on and on and on. Now, what's my point of pointing this out before I finish with this last paragraph, and then we'll discuss. These these are beings, energy entities. That's all they are. They they have manifested multiple times in many different cultures. And even when we were talking about earlier about the Anunnaki, it could be the Natiru. It could be the Orishi. These are just a manifestation of the energies or different aspects of nature and creation. They're a representation of those archetypes that exist in your DNA. Once you understand that, it takes away all the spooky shit that you've been taught. And this is what we call reprogramming the subconscious. Having said that, let's finish with this last paragraph here. Back to, you mean we travel... Hold on, let me skip. Hold on. Okay, yeah. You mean we can travel in the above and the below as you do? How can that be? We are mere mortals. And this, this, this represents us as humans. Humans always do not want to accept the fact of what we were just talking about, the very greatness that exists within themselves. Not being an incarnation of something, or pretending to be, I should say, not looking for something outside to connect with. Here you are. This represents the all of humanity by not being able to accept this fact but say how can we do that we're mere mortals does this not go on today this shit goes on today it's the same thing even though it was recorded millions of years ago you're getting the same response here's the here's the answer to that question watch this starts off with listen carefully thought is a bubble of being that erupts on the fabric of reality through the pattern that i've revealed in this tablet Thus, are you as mortal as your thoughts? Let me say that part again. Thus, are you as mortal as your thoughts? And it is your notion of heaven and hell that keeps you earthbound. What did that say? It is your notion, what you've been programmed with, what heaven and hell is that keeps you earthbound. Because it weighs you down with fear and duplicity. The things whereof I speak are everywhere under your nose. You have only to reach out to touch them. It didn't say it was in some church somewhere. It didn't say it was in some masjid somewhere. It didn't say it was in some spooky, mystical, physical place you need to go to connect with the creator. It said it was right inside of you, right up under your nose. Okay? It goes on to say, Be, but out of your arrogance, you have denied the one mind. And out of your fear, you have desecrated... The one thing. So let's stop there for a quick minute. Your brothers want to elaborate on that for a quick minute? Yeah, brother. Yeah, let me let me let, go ahead. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me flash on. Let me flash on, on, brother. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, pretty much what Tahuti is explaining to this guy is your mode of thinking. When you think in terms pretty much of the 3D world, person, place, and thing, when you're on that mental vibration, you don't perceive the boundlessness of who you really are. And you try to take, you try to create little concepts like God and the devil. You try to create limitations on the unlimited. Right. To suit your suit your little ego to say, oh, this person is good and this person is bad. This person is smart. This person is dumb. Right. 
<laughs> something that suits your little ego, make you feel good for the moment. But in reality, you're limiting the unlimited. Mm. And so Hootie is explaining that to this man that's asking this question. He's also explaining that, and I like how you read the um, the information about, you know, um, Tahuti, you know, the attributes of Tahuti. Right. You know, the, the giver of natural law and things of that nature. Because when you go into these principles of the mind, you understand all of this is within you. You understand, exactly. you literally understand that your life is is a creation of what you think and feel. See, the, the, the one thing, you have the you have the mind and then you have the one thing. The one thing represents feeling from what I get from the from what I get from it. The one thing represents emotion. Correct. Energy and That's emotion. Correct. That's the one thing. And you and have the one mind and pretty much these things are in tune with you. The one mind and the one thing are in tune with each other. Right. So the thoughts that exist in the one mind are connected to the one thing, which creates more of the one thing or what we perceive as our reality today. Correct. That's correct, brother. And, and I think I think what was important in that one that one excerpt of information, and we've we've all said this in some shape, form, or fashion on on just about every show. Your mortal thoughts is what confines you to this earthly realm. You know, all that bullshit of, of separation, good and bad, heaven and hell, you heard the response to that. Heaven and hell is created in the mind of the individual. It's created in the authors that write it. There's no such thing. Once we eliminate that stupidity from our mindset, we'll be able to evolve consciously on such a higher level. This is why people don't understand. You create your reality every single day. This, you're creating your own heaven and hell every single day. It's a state of mind, a state of existence. But when you separate that, as it's saying in here, and now you create this illusion that there's this place called heaven I'm going to go if I'm good, and then there's this bad place I'm going to go if I'm bad called hell, now what you've done is you've gone against everything that was just made in the statement of alchemy. Your mortal thoughts is what confounds you to this realm. So until you stop thinking like mortals, you'll never understand this. Let me read a comment real quick from, from the brothers overseas in the Caribbean. It says, it also shows that if you're not willing to go within yourself, you would be unable to discover the boundlessness of energy you can possess. And, and that's so true. So appreciate that's, that. That's, appreciate that's true, and I wanted to add on this too. Many don't understand you know, you give you give things power when you because you're the one thing. The one you have the one mind. The mind creates thoughts, and then you have the one thing, which is your emotional self. Right. And you create all the time. So when you give them people power, like the Illuminati, you know, the white man. <laughs> he's a he's a diabolical evil guy that's pretty much going to destroy everybody. Do you give these things all of your power? Guess what? Guess what, nigga? You're not on 
some divine level like you think you are. Right. Bullshit. You ain't operating on the chaos <laughs> realms, nigga. You ain't. You're not operating hey, on your hey, highest you, level of being. That's right. Let's a quick minute. A statement you just said. Let's talk about that for a quick minute. You just you just said something that resonated. All right. You just said you just made a statement. You said. When you give power in life to all these concepts, everybody's talking about it, the Illuminati, the white man, the devil. Just stop talking about the shit. Let's talk about this for a minute. Now, you got all these black, spiritually conscious people that claim to have consciousness, melanated people from all walks of life. They talk about the ancestors. They talk about Egypt. They talk about Africa. They talk about all these different cultures. It sounds beautiful. After getting all that beauty and love and knowledge and information, then they fuck it all up with saying there's this entity called the devil. Be it whatever to whatever methodology you want to teach it as, a spook, a spirit, the white man, whatever. They say, but in all these cultures, religions, you still have to fight this force called evil or the devil. Now, here's the problem that I've, I've had recently in the last couple of years in talking to a lot of these people. Let's use any one of these black conscious organizations today. Let's, let's, since we talked earlier about the black Hebrew Israelites, let's use that for an example. All right, the black Hebrew Israelites will tell you, obviously because they're in a dumbed-down state of uh, religion and they're biblically induced under the spell of ignorance, they will sit there and tell you that the Bible is literal, you must follow this, the white man's the devil, they give you the whole story of Esau, blah, 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 just a bunch of rhetoric and nonsense that doesn't make any goddamn sense from head to toe. They'll give you this ridiculous chart of all the different ethnicities, and they're claiming these Latinos belong to this tribe and the Haitians, the tribe of hey, Latinos. Well, I, I, always, yeah. always I always wondered, who the fuck created that chart? Like, oh, go ahead. I've asked them. I've asked them, and you get the biggest bullshit stories. They just dance around it, and they go back in some just some historical mumbo-jumbo because you can't trace <laughs> genealogy and historical-wise. You can't trace any of those ethnicities to any of those tribes, but that's a whole other story. But this is going to tell you that their salvation is their God, Yahweh, is going to open up the skies and rain down fire and brimstone on the white man and the devil and destroy his society. Now, mind you, they're doing this shit in the middle of Babylon in all these big cities, New York. They're standing on the street, on, on, on YouTube, telling you what they're going to do to the white man, which that in itself is, is completely fucking comical to me. And it's completely comical to them, too, by the way. Um, so then you, you'll say to them, and I've said this to them, and, they, and these, these dudes, I mean, they, they literally want to go in attack mode. And, and like Brother Ravana Noon said earlier, if I can get you to react and control your emotions, I can get you to do anything. And I sit there and, and I simply said, well, having said that, you're a black god, Yahweh, okay? I've said this a million times and I've gotten a million posts on it and nobody's answering my damn question. You know Why? because you're answering it from the wrong state of mind and you're answering it from the wrong perspective. I will simply say to them, but your black God, Yahweh, what was his purpose of creating the white man? Why did he allow the creation of the white man to happen? You see, Brother Esau, no, no, no. I didn't ask you genetically how you think the white man was created. That's not my question. I keep getting people telling me and responding to me of their whatever organization or culture they, they identify with they're giving me the story of genetically how they believe the white man came about. That's not what my question is. Because technically your God is the reason why you're in the situation you're in. Because if the black Yahweh God didn't create the white man, you guys wouldn't be in this fucking situation. That's my whole point. 
So what is the purpose of Yahweh allowing, let me use the word allowing, the white man to be created? Because in a religious sense, these fools believe that Yahweh controls everything. So Yahweh allowed the white man to be created by his power. So my question is simply why? Because if he didn't allow it, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. You guys wouldn't have, they wouldn't have nothing to be on the streets yelling and screaming about. Because all they yell about is what the white man did to them, and they don't talk about anything else. Talk about how the white man this, the white man's the devil, the world's coming to an end, blah, 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 and all that other bullshit. It's funny because you notice that's the most common thing when you come across brothers and sisters in their, you know, religious groups today. Is the, it ends off with the white man is the reason why I'm fucked up. That's right. So my simple question is, I don't care what organization you belong to. It could be Nation of Islam, the Nuwapians. It could be the Black Hebrew Israelites. It could be the Moors. Okay, I don't give a shit what it is. If you're going to focus on that aspect, have a logical answer, because technically your God is responsible for all of those things. Don't separate it, because what did he just say in that tower? This is why I'm bringing it up. Because your mortal minds separate, categorize, identify, this is why you will never truly understand. And it's real simple, because in the seven principles of Tehuti, when it breaks down the doctrine of vibration, you would understand really what that's all about. But because you Negroes want to answer it from a religious program perspective and you're not going to the alchemy and the metaphysical aspect of it, it would dawn on you what the answer to that question is. All of us know the answer to that question on this, on this show. We're not going to give you that answer. I want to hear somebody explain it thoroughly, in detail, and not give me their interpretation based on whatever organization they belong to and what they've been programmed, meaning I don't want to hear about Yakub taking two magnets and grafting the devil. That shit is fucking <laughs> stupid. I don't want to hear no story about how one twin came out hairy and the other one was black. <laughs> that in itself is a mind fuck. I don't want to hear that. I definitely don't want to hear about no damn flu rods and the curse on Canaan because when you go into the Bible, <laughs> And you really read the curse on Canaan to my Nawapian brothers and sisters, that story has been taken out of context, twisted, and it's not being presented in the right context. That's not how the white man came about. Okay? So don't give me your interpretation based on your philosophy. Okay? Because none of that stuff can be proven. And most of these people say they deal only with facts and truth, and they don't deal with spookism and spook gods. But yet, a lot of their doctrine is based on mythology and faith. Because most of them can't confirm what their teachers are teaching. They have faith that it's true, but until you experience it for self, okay, it's not real. Now, let me give you an example. I know many Nuwapians over the years, for an example, when they were first taught about Anu by Dr. York, all of a sudden niggas started seeing Anu everywhere. They started having incarnations of Anu and dreams of Anu. And, <laughs> and, uh, now, my question to you, Negroes, is how come you wasn't seeing that before then? Or are you living through the eyes of your teacher? That's just, I'm just saying. Putting that shit out there, you need to look at that from that perspective. Because remember, if I can get into your mind and I can control your thoughts and your emotions, I can get you to do whatever I want. And this is what these leaders do. Once they get into your mind and into your emotions, you start seeing shit the way they want you to see shit. This this is another question. If... If you guys are so great and powerful, the great, powerful black niggas, 
as you always stay on Facebook every day. Every day I get on Facebook, it's the, you know, we're, we're the God, we're the powerful gods and goddesses. But besides that, you niggas always talking about that. How did this feeble, ignorant caveman usurp your whole system and put you under stupidity if you are so fucking powerful? You want, you want to know? You want to know the answer here? Then I just come out with catch cliches like this, brother, to sound spiritual. The white man's rule was up. He was appointed to rule for 6,000 years. Now his time is up. Now the original Asiatic black man, father of civilization, God of the universe, his time is to rule in the sun cycle. See all that mumbo-jumbo bullshit? It, it, it's, it's funny It's funny they say that, though, because it's like, okay, nigga, um, according to you, 6,000 years is over with, nigga, and uh, you still working at McDonald's, nigga. I don't see no improvement. Well, yeah, that's a manifestation of the of the glory of who they were back in Egypt. They got a swing manager's position job at McDonald's, brother. That's, that's, that's what they were. <laughs> you know, these are the same Negroes that want to give you advice on money, and they broke as shit. They want to give you advice on herbs and health, and yet they coughing and they sick all the time, and they overweight and out of shape, and they can't even run a mile <laughs> without huffing and puffing. These are them Negroes that want to give you advice on that stuff. And then you got the niggas that, you know, they want to levitate and meditate, but they want to section eight and welfare, and they can't pay their bills. And what I'm trying to say is, look, 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 I'm not trying to knock anybody. If you need assistance, you need assistance. What I am saying is you have to be a living example of the knowledge you teach. You can't teach a nigga how to levitate if your family ain't in order. Come on, man. Worry about getting your family in order. I mean, oh, I just, you know, that, that, brings up a good, that brings up a good point. Because, you know, me and Brother Ravana talked about this before. Is you look at Buddha's life story. Buddha was a fucking spooky-ass nigga. If you look at the beginning, it's like, this nigga left his whole family to go <laughs> off and fucking meditate. I mean, you know, who the fuck does that type of shit? You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I mean, we just have to be honest about this. This Correct. dude left his family to go off and, and meditate and try to figure out how it is suffering. But in that same context, though, let's let, take this in there. And in, in the later portions of his journey, he also made a statement in his later writings, if, I, if we meditate 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or simply he said, if we meditate all the time, nothing would get done. Exactly. Now, now that was later in his spiritual journey because now he came to the realization balancement comes in. Now, that ties into people today, okay? That ties into people today because now you've got some people that are so spiritual, they're spiritual 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they're not allotting the time they need to take care of their finances, to take care of their family. This is what creates the imbalancement in us spiritually and mentally because some go to one extreme more than the other. So you got the brothers and the sisters that are so physical that all they're doing is chasing materialistic things all the time and mentally and spiritually they're dead. Then you got the other brothers and sisters, they're so spiritual, but their life is all jacked up because they're not allotting the proper time to get in their physical things in order. And then you have people like us who are smack in the middle who know when it's time to meditate, who know when it's time to work and make that money, who know when it's time to have fun, who know when it's time to have sex. You understand? 
These are the things that the higher masters taught. And this is what Matt was trying to teach us when you merge Matt, as we say, with seven principles of Tahuti. It's that simple. But you'll find the imbalanced person is struggling with that. And it's, it's funny because a lot of times our good brothers and sisters, you know, they can make spirituality something that is not. They don't, they don't understand. They haven't come to the understanding that spirituality is your life. Everything in your life is a reflection of your soul. And, Correct. you know, but they, they, they usually separate it. They separate the spirituality from life and making it into some spooky shit where you're going to astral project one, you know, one night and, you know, you one night out of the week and that's your spiritual work for the year. Pretty much. That, that, that's, that, that's your divine moment right there. I astral projected November 27th, 2010. That's it. And it's like, yeah. you're not, you're not, you, and that's what Tahuti was trying to explain to this guy. Spirituality is everything. Everything, brother. That's right. Everything. Okay. Anything you want to add, brother Ravana Noon, before, before sure. we continue on? Go ahead. Um, I remember this conversation I was having. I think it was a few years back. Uh, quite a few years back, actually. Uh, just to show you the mind frame of what it's like to be spellbound under an organization or religion. And the mind frame today. Many years back, I had a conversation with somebody, and we were discussing the concept of the all, in all, okay, all. And I remember I had said that all is experiencing life through us. We mm. are an extension of all and manifesting all. And I said, all can only remain all if all experiences all things. So while, let's say, Beniti is experiencing something, and I'm experiencing something, and Asar is experiencing something, although those three, us, us three are experiencing life, and it's a similar experience, all three of us will still see it differently. Correct. It may be similar, but there'll still be a little different perception to it and understanding right. to it from our perspective. That's right. So all to see to be all, you have to experience all things. This means that everything that is happening on this planet, in this universe, in these galaxies, are all experiences of all. Now, what's funny is when I said this back then. The individuals I was talking to said, no, see, brother, see, what it is is that you don't understand the all. <laughs> you don't understand the all, you know, only, uh, only, uh. Nah, brother, it's only certain things that the all does, brother, certain you know, things. Only, only Dr. York can, can really break down what the all is, yeah. see, brother, you're yeah. trying to run ahead. You're trying yeah. to run ahead. Oh, oh, those types of niggas, I know who you're talking about. I'm trying to give a breakdown of the all, but it hasn't been explained yet. Yes. Yeah. Well, why does it have to be explained? If this is how I perceive it, if this is what my mind, that is a part of all, in all, is connecting and reaching and, and bringing forth, then how is it wrong? That's right. How is it any different than what he would say? Oh, well, 
Because you you didn't get the stamp of approval, brother. You got to get the stamp of approval. Exactly. (laughs) What we have to understand now is when we listen to what Tahuti is saying, Tahuti, as as the brother stated earlier, is just a manifestation of consciousness, an energy of consciousness that embodies and encompasses consciousness on a higher level than humans normally can perceive. So, for example, my brothers and I can diss the hell out of some event and 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 not like the event, and we will be in the minority because what 80% or 85% of the rest of so-called conscious people fall under and accept has to be right. But in reality, it is those who don't agree with the masses who actually are usually usually in the process of of manifesting more of a of a truth because there's no full truth or absolute truth more manifesting of a truth than the average people because that's something, that's something to, that I'm going to touch on after you say what you say right because what happens is if I have an understanding Benidi has an understanding, Asar has an understanding, but it doesn't seem to fit what people who consider themselves to be conscious, consider themselves to be knowledgeable, consider themselves to be wise, then we would be ostracized, we would be uh, separated from the masses as they don't know. But as time goes on, and they, if those people continue and they expand, they eventually come back and say, well, damn, these these brothers were saying this shit a while ago. And the reason why that happens is because as certain people have the ability to look at things and see it on another level than just this physical mundane level, they see it metaphysically, they see it spiritually, they see it consciously, they see it in different levels at one time. And because you don't, like say the average person doesn't, doesn't make that these people are incorrect. It just seems that they are. So what we have to understand is these high priests, this is what I forgot, Benedi probably failed to mention. The people asking Tahuti these questions are high priests. Correct. These aren't regular fools. These are yeah, these aren't these aren't your mundane niggas walking around. Yeah. So it, it, look at it this way: this would be your conscious Negroes asking to hootie the question, and he's looking at them like, "Well, damn, you niggas claim to be conscious." That's and right. He's asking these dumbass <laughs> questions. That's right. Because if you really listen to how Tahuti's responding, it's like he's shaking his head. Exactly. And saying these damn fools here. Claim to be high priest. Claim to be claim to be doing the spiritual work. Yeah, but have no mm-hmm. freaking clue. Like for yeah. example, he said, we tend to separate things like heaven and hell. Well, see that that begs to to question then, who is Panabhyanun, the master of heaven and hell? If that shit doesn't really exist. <laughs> Clearly stated, that shit is not relevant. It doesn't exist. It is a. It is created by the human mind in this dualistic or duality 
of illusions here in the physical realm. While you're in the physical realm, things will always seem dualistic because that's how people understand things. Good, bad, right, right, wrong, this, that. But when you start to transcend consciously beyond the dualistic state in this mundane physical existence, you don't see things like that anymore. So, for example, for example, I'll, I'll break this down and I'll pass it to a thought. For example, people were all in uproar because of gay marriage, right? But to a few shows back when we were with Brother Panic, we were discussing how he received the channeling, and there was in the, one of the channel that he received was from a gay person that right. told him that gay people had a purpose and they were, you know, they were protectors and gatekeepers and things like that. And it triggered something I had studied years ago from Patrice Malidomasome, right? Mm-hmm. And he broke down how. Gay people had a purpose in Africa and other indigenous cultures. Usually they were gatekeepers. They protected the gates from certain beings getting through here or not. That's right. But when you take a people and you destroy their purpose or you fire them from their job, then what do they have left? Understand, let me say this again. When you take a people That's a powerful point. and you destroy their purpose, what do they have left? they have left. It becomes a lustful act. Mm. Many people who are into that lifestyle are not naturally born with that energy. I didn't say all. I didn't say, I said many. I didn't say all of them. I said many are not really that. They either converted to that, they either were forced into that, or they either were uh, triggered into that from whatever circumstances, but many of them were not born energy. Patrice Malidomasome clearly stated that these beings would be born with that energy, and their energy would that be to the point that they could be married, have kids, and everything, but they would still find attraction to the same sex. That doesn't mean they would have to partake and do it in the physical. But they were still finding spiritually and everything else. They were still attracted to that. And their purpose was to guard the gates from these lower vibrational frequencies and energies from taking over this planet Earth. Now, this is important because it's Tahuti stated that we separate everything. And that we even separated this whole phenomenon called gay, homosexual, lesbian and divided it, defined it, limited, and then what happens? You create a bunch of problems, behavior, circumstances that people define and then become anti-whatever. So in Tahuti's mindset, he's really telling you everything cannot be separated as the mind does. Our notion is to separate things, you know, in the physical mortal mind, but in reality you can't because everything has a purpose and everything just is. Now, if we understand that, then we can start transcending our mortal minds and our limitations, and maybe we could do some real work. Maybe we could do some real work, because what is the purpose of attacking a group of people who have nothing to do with your personal life? Well, here's... here's. And some you just touched on, brother, when you were, when you were speaking of the uh, the sexes. Here, here's the fucked up part. You can go back 
I want to back up there, and you're bringing up an excellent point, and and I think this is where some people really get lost on this whole topic. Um, If you go back into many different Indian, Hindu, Indian cultures, the Dravidians, who, as we said, let's not separate the Dravidians from Africa, and we talked about that the last couple weeks. Dr. Bynum has broken down. Um, When you go into a lot of those cultures, and I'm I'm just going to use the Hindu culture because it describes it in their text, in their pictures, in their imagery that's in their books, in their temples. Remember, the first beings that incarnated on this planet, and this is where people get fucked up because they go research this and they don't understand this. You might say in your mind, I'm a male, I got a penis. I'm a female, I got a clitoris. When we talk about ingrowingness beings, and we talk about what we call hemorphodites and hemorphodites, okay, the first beings on the planet, had dual sex organs. So my question to religious people is, whose image and likeness are they created in? Because they say the Bible says they were all created in the image and likeness of God. The first bands on the planet were sexual bands. Every great culture records them. You can go look at Ank Arpington, okay? He was a band with dual sexual organs. He was a homerphodite. That's why he had a feminine body shape. When you look at the pictures, and he had masculine facial features, and his head was elongated, and he had feminine energy also because he was a homerphodite. People keep forgetting that shit. So when we say the masculine and the feminine principle, and it's a balancement of the energy, that's why I keep telling these Negroes with the black woman is God and the female was first shit, it's a balancement of both principles. Both have to walk side by side. Okay, I don't even want to get into that. That's a whole other story. We have to understand and understand in this topic of sexuality. Do you really know who and what you are? Do you really know who and what you are? You might say, yeah, my name is, my name is Hakeem. I'm a masculine-ass brother. That may not be who you are, brother. And this is why some women who can look very feminine to what we determine and perceive as feminine, because my brother just said a minute ago, perception plays a key role in everything. Everything that's being said tonight, everybody listening to this show is perceiving it on a multitude of different levels. You're not all perceiving this the same. But the question boils down to, you can see a woman that looks very feminine, but has very strong masculine energy, physically, her nature, her personality, etc. We have to first understand who and what we are. Now, when we go back and look at these ancient cultures, and I use the ancient Hindu culture as one example, you will find out they depict these bands with dual sex organs. It's recorded in their texts that predate most of the shit that we've been talking about tonight. So the question is, do you really know what you are when it's dealing with sexuality? Because we know hemorphodites exist. There are people that have dual sex organs. So what is the origin of that? Where did they come from? How did they get here? And whose image and likeness are they created in? It's that simple. Now, you ask religious people this shit, now they're just like, no, well, see, brother, you're going out in the left field. No, I'm not. Because if you believe your God controls everything in the universe, then there's a logical explanation to that. Okay? Real quick, just, just to touch on two quick comments that were typed in. I don't want to dwell on I it wanted, too long. I wanted to add on, I wanted to, ahead, add on to that. Go ahead, brother. And see, it's it's another thing that many get confused, as my brother Ravana has stated. When it comes to the whole homosexual thing, a lot of times you have people that are pretend gatekeepers. 
They wanna be. You know, you know, you grow up with the wannabe niggas. You know what I mean? They wanna be thugs. You know, they wanna be basketball players. The wannabe ass niggas. Now, in the gay world, you have that. You have the wannabes that wanna be gatekeepers, but they really just emotionally damaged. And the first thing they think is going to help them is, hey, if I go over to the same sex, maybe it's going to be better because I don't want to deal with my emotional issues with this man or this woman that I'm dating right now that I just dated. And a lot of times that gets confused with people being gatekeepers. So, you know, not to step on any toes or any heads, but... Step on hands, in, man. <laughs> in the in the gay community, you have a lot of pretenders. There, there's very few gatekeepers on this planet, and every person that claims to be a gatekeeper is not a gatekeeper. You have people with a lot of emotional trauma. They don't want to deal with this shit. They think the same sex is going to help them, but in reality, that problem is still going to exist inside of them for a long time until they, until they pretty much, you know, man or woman to fuck up and stop bitching and deal with their issues. You know what well, I mean? Exactly. And that's been, but like we said, it, it, it's all connected, and you can't separate any of this. Um, but, yeah, definitely. Um, just too quick. Did you want to add something else, brother? No, I was just saying, and that's, and that's another aspect of the whole gatekeeper situation that, you know, and you have a lot of people that are going against it today. And, you know, and, and, tru- and truthfully, a lot of brothers and sisters that so-called hate homosexuals is because they hate the tendency they may have to be homosexual. Yes, they do. That's right. And by the way, we're not saying gay keepers. We're saying gate keepers, just to clarify that shit. Okay, real quick, just just because uh, I don't want to stay on this top, not not the topic you brothers were just talking about, but earlier when we were talking about the the Neanderthal and white people, just something somebody typed in. I don't want to stay on it. Uh, Guest eleven types in two interesting comments. I find this pretty cool. It says, "Who is smarter, Tarzan or the apes?" Not being racist, I just had the thought about what was said. He typed that in, or she typed that in earlier. Not sure. It's a he or she, and I'm definitely going to say the apes. Marinate on that for a minute. Uh, and then the other one, the other one that that uh, he or she typed in was we were talking about earlier than the being Neanderthal and white people being all powerful, and we blame them. Um, we were saying earlier that we need to stop using that as, as an excuse. So basically, what we were saying, we're giving that life if we keep constantly giving them the power. And like it was just saying here in the, in the um, Emerald Tablets, by the mere thought, by the mere energy of our mortal thoughts, we're creating these realities ourselves. So basically, what we were saying earlier is we're giving them more power than they actually have. So it's as simple as just saying that that has no power over me. Okay, and you might say, well, no, you know, when you get caught on the physicalities of no brother racism, it's still, of course, racism still exists, and they're reminding you of that shit every day. With all these police shootings, these church burnings, and I told y'all months ago and last year, it's going to get worse. It's not that, here's the thing, and we all said this last week, it's not that this is anything new. 
It's just with social media, every goddamn place you turn now, you're just seeing stuff that happens on a daily basis. You niggas think this is new because the camera's recording it now, and they put it on, on the Internet or on the news. Now you're like, holy shit, all this, this stuff's been going on, man. Where y'all been? It's just now that social media is blanketing everything across the country, you're going to see if somebody shits the wrong way, you're going to see it on the news now. It's this a racist shit. Racist shit. That's it. <laughs> racist shit. Somebody took a racist shit. Here you Check go. him out with a Confederate flag. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I tried to tell you all about this. Now, and, and the reason why I laugh at people that react to that is because what did we just say earlier? If they can get a reaction out of you, and that's their intent, and they can control your emotions, they got you, man. That's what I'm trying to say, man. That's going to get and worse. And, and it, it's, it's just hilarious to me, brother, that many of our good conscious brothers and sisters, they fall victim to this men, this victim mentality. You know, the white man or the Illuminati is out to get us. You know, don't be, you don't be so small-minded. You know what I mean? These people are not as powerful as you make them. You know, and it's like... So, so when, what you just said, would not the white man, the Illuminati... The devil. I'm just throwing this out there. Would that not be a manifestation of your lower thoughts? Yes, it is. Exactly. Just saying. Just just throwing that out there. That might that might be part of the answer to a question we we were talking about earlier. But we, we'll we'll let people marinate on that, brother. A lot of uh, people don't understand that, and we say this like every show. Your subconscious mind creates your reality. If you fear the white man, if you're angry at the white man, or whatever else is programmed your subconscious mind, you keep that shit alive because you're creating this reality. And what happens is this collective consciousness of people, the more they focus on this, the more they bring it to your attention, the more they freaking talk about it, the more that they incite the fear, the emotional uh, response, the more you empower that very energy to exist. What I mean by that is this. Everybody's heard this quote, but how many can really understand it? But you resist, persist. (laughs) See, people will always say, well, it's a war on drugs. Well, you don't eliminate drugs by fighting a war. A war means constant conflict and fighting. How the hell are you going to eliminate drugs? You don't do it like that because you're resisting the drug itself, and so it's going to persist instead of getting to the root of it. The root of it stems from inside each and every one of you. What the hell makes a person feel that they have to have the substance of a drug to exist? What dependency is triggered inside of them? When you learn that and embrace that part of yourself to understand what the dependency is, then and only then can you res- can you actually break this war that you think you're fighting when in actuality war just creates more conflict. Do you understand that? War doesn't bring peace. War creates conflict. Whoever says that, you know, we're, we're going to war to bring peace is straight delusional because every country that... Hey, hey, hey brother, you, you got to fight fire with fire, brother. Yeah, every country that this... I mean, every country America has invaded, and they said they were going to bring war to that country to bring, 
bring peace, they actually brought more chaos to that country. Understand that, because after they left, the shit is in straight turmoil in those countries. It's even worse than it was before. Correct. Now, what happens is, when you understand the concept of what you resist persists, let's say you resist an ice cream sandwich. And mm, you're damn, resist- I like ice cream sandwiches. You resist the cream sandwich and you want it so bad that you try to resist it, right? What people don't understand is the more you resist it, you now repress that thought. Mm. And the repressed thought only does one thing. Comes forth with power and force behind it. That's right. So now when this ice cream sandwich is put on in front of your face the next time around, guess what you just really did? You just made your willpower lessen itself more than you think you did. It became weaker because when it's put in front of you, that repressed thought is so strong and what's up to the surface so hard that it may make you default or relapse back into giving into the ice cream sandwich. Worse than it was before, instead of you embracing the fact that I have a sweet tooth and sometimes I want an ice cream sandwich and I got to understand that. Exactly. You got got the niggas that want to go to the extreme and they just say, fuck it, I want to go cold turkey, nigga. Yeah, exactly. And then they find themselves slipping a turkey sandwich the next day. <laughs> if I want an ice cream sandwich, nigga, I'm eating an ice cream sandwich. That's it. End, end of the day. <laughs> exactly. That's what people don't understand. But, brother, it doesn't help your consciousness, brother. It's all a balance, brother. It's all moderation. It's all a balance. Anything in excess becomes harmful. Moderation right. is the key. And people don't right. understand that. Buddha understood that. When he was out there meditating, his ass was hungry. He was trying to meditate. His stomach was fucking singing a song. That nigga, that nigga didn't have no energy to meditate. Yep, so he went down to the river, and he washed himself, and some sisters offered him some rice and food, and that was the best rice that nigga had in freaking 20 years. That nigga okay. ate that shit up, and he said, Brothers, I found a new way. And they all shunned him. <laughs> They all shunned him because they said, this nigga done violated his vow. And he said, fuck the vow, nigga. I found a new way. It's called the middle way, meaning moderation, nigga. Moderation. Yeah, exactly. And and he found that out later in his studies. But what I want to do, I want to get to this last section so we can build on this. I want to to definitely make sure we finish this last section in the Emerald Tablets because it's connecting to everything that we've we've been discussing. So let me finish with this last section here and let's build on this. For the last portion of the um, show, um, let's let's start. Uh, just let me get myself. Okay, what hope is there for us? This just kind of contacts and everything we were just talking about. What hope is there for us to change our thoughts and rid ourselves of arrogance? If it is a nature of mankind to behave this way, and has been for thousands of years. So this is the high priest asking to who do this. And listen to the mortal shit. And he just sounds just like us today. The only hope, and here's his response, the only hope for mankind is the alchemy revealed in this living tablet. But be not mistaken, the alchemy of which I speak is working with your seemingly valueless thoughts and feelings to refine them, to, to operate on all levels with the same force with which they work in the divine mind. 
I don't think people really understand that. Say it again. In truth, let me say it one more time. The alchemy of which I speak is working with your seemingly valueless thoughts and feelings to refine them to operate on all levels with the same force with which they work in the divine mind. In truth, all you are and all I am is thoughts and feelings. Yet all thoughts are the one mind, and all feelings are in just one thing. Therefore, your consciousness is both a part of the whole. Know that the one thing within you is your chaotic feelings, the rejected energy that can drive your transformation. Know that the union of thought and feeling is like a stone you can carry anywhere. For this intelligence of the heart is everywhere just one thing. Next question. This is the high priest speaking. If that's, pretty, alchemy, that's, pretty, that's pretty deep, brother. That's pretty deep. Go ahead. If, if through alchemy we are able to overcome our own ignorance and change our beliefs, then how do we actually travel in these wondrous realms? Here's the answer. Once your thoughts are purified, now what we've been saying all night, you have to reprogram the subconscious, right? Now, now you're hearing it right from the tablet. Once your thoughts are purified, the ascent and descent are as natural as breathing. So all you spooky niggas that want to travel and do it <laughs> to the spiritual realms, it's not that complicated. Let me read that part again. Once your thoughts are purified, the ascent and descent are as natural as breathing. Since the above is subtle and the below is gross, the subtlest part of matter is the soul. The subtlest part of the soul is spirit, and the subtlest part of the spirit is what you call God. To travel in these realms, you need only change the density of your thoughts. That's right, nigga. Let me say that again. <laughs> to travel in these realms, you need to only change the density of your thoughts. And by weighing shall you be judged. Now we're dealing with the weighing of my act. First, you must free yourself from the roots of denial. So stop denying you got a problem, which keep you earthbound, which is the lead of your existence, and invert them into the roots of heaven planted in the golden light above. Then to become subtle, rid yourself of fear. Let me say that again. To make yourself or become subtler, rid yourself of fear and follow your lightest thoughts as they rise. To become denser, seek sensation and expression and follow your heaviest thoughts as they plummet. But do not linger in heaven. On the earth is where your work takes place. For in the rarefied atmosphere of consciousness, thoughts are actions and all thoughts are in just one mind and all results are just the one thing. Listen to this next question. Yet we are afraid. Right? Doesn't this sound like people? After getting all that, these Negroes are still scared. Yet we are afraid to leave the earth, to travel through the realms as you. How can we not be afraid? Here's, here's to Houthi's response. Fear is great, for it destroys all subtle things and makes lead of gold, makes you more dense. You cannot ascend and still have fear. Let me say that again. You cannot ascend and still have fear. For fear is darkness and belongs to the heaviest part of unknowing. 
To rise above fear, you must rise above the part of you that is in the darkness. Whatever it may be, look into the deepest of your wounds. Man, this sounds like the last 10 shows we did. For there lies the gold of your being. And though it pains you, and though it pains you, you have to exercise this luminous metal from the crevices where it has accumulated. This is talking about facing all your bullshit. Then release this treasure to the light of consciousness and follow it as it flies upward and merges with the greater sun to the place where total knowledge burns forever, where fear cannot follow. There all things will be clear to you in the eternal moment before you return. For you will behold the fountain of fountains and see the one mind becoming the one thing in the last section. What is the dark and chaotic one thing we fear so much that it holds us to the earth? You should not fear, here's the answer, you should not fear the one thing, for you have dominion over it. It is the nothing that is something. <laughs> I think that went over people's head too. It is the nothing that is something. The same substance of which your dreams are made, but your fear has turned it into your nightmare, and only through its dissolution can you reclaim your power and dream anew. For just as your dreams are fashioned by your hidden mind, so is the world dreamt by the hidden mind of God. Therefore, the thoughts of the one mind are your reality, and the presence of the one thing is your dream, and the dreamer and his dream are always one. And then the last question is, so which is more important, one thing or the one mind? You sorely tried my patience. Now, now, to, now, 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 dude, he's getting aggravated. Do you still not see that the one mind and the one thing are one? They are different aspects of the same thing, though one is above and the other below. Mind and matter appear as two in the mirror of existence, but they flow into one another as one. Like the fountain of fountains feeding on itself, so does one continually pass into the other. The one mind becomes the one thing, and out of the one thing comes the one mind. They are always, were, and are both one. And here's the, the, the priestess' response. So it seems like the universe is like a gigantic lava lamp in which the light bulb of the one mind heats up the gooey one thing and the display of continuous changing shapes, rising and falling, rising and falling. What's the point? And here's the last answer. You do not see the point since you are always forgetting that the universe is not for your entertainment. It does not serve you. You serve it. That is the only point. You are nothing but a vehicle of the minuscule light within you, and that light is part of the agenda, but not you. Yet, despite your missing the point, I have revealed to you where to look for the one thing and how to fashion it into anything you desire through the formula of the whole universe. Do not disappoint me, human. You can best serve the universe through the sacrifice of the one thing in you to perfect it and offer it up for your glory and the glory of the creator. For you are God, and God are also and always just one. Now, I mean, that's, if, you can't, if you can't relate to that, then I, I, really don't know, I really don't know how to put it in better perspective. This is, yeah, this is what alchemy, when we talk about spiritual alchemy, 
this is what spiritual alchemy is about. And and the purpose of what we do and why we should be doing it should be for that one reason and that one reason only. It's all connected. And, and basically what that just said there is you have to confront all your bullshit. And when we've been saying that for the last several months, we haven't been saying that just to be saying it. This is coming from metaphysical teachings, alchemy teachings. When you deal with these principles, it transcends anything physical. Now, this information isn't for everybody. We understand that. This information isn't for that individual that's trapped in faith and belief because that individual has to be raised up out of that system of faith and belief, but they got to want to do it for themselves. That's why I said earlier I don't entertain uh, debates when I already can sense by looking at that person's aura and into their eyes that their energy isn't going to change even if they listen to all this information. Once you... your time if you think you can save the world. It's not about saving the world. That's not what this shit is about. This is why people's emotions get crushed because everybody wants to set out on a save the world mission. And remember, if you get on that whole vibe and you get on that whole tip, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, just total disappointment. So what we're saying here is, and why, why, for an example, we call the show Awakening Universal Minds, we're sparking the consciousness, as it said, in, in, in the Emerald Tablets. But the individual has got to want to make the change themselves. You have to realize that. This is why religion doesn't work. This is why forced dogmas and philosophies do not work, because once an you individual it, starts it. thinking outside of that, like we talked about earlier when, when Sister Vera was talking about her different transformation and changes when she went through different levels, just like we all have, the consciousness keeps evolving. So when you get stuck in a system of thought, belief, but your consciousness is still evolving, guess what's going to happen? You're going to outgrow that ideology or that doctrine or that dogma. And this is what sparks the consciousness to evolve to a higher state of mental awakening, awareness, spirituality, whatever you want to call it, but now your soul and spirit has outgrown because, remember, there's no time frame on your existence. You can't put a time frame on I mean, we all say this stupid shit 6,000 years ago, 50,000 years ago back then. Niggas say that like they was back there 50,000 years ago. You know, like they calculate. That's all just a metaphor. You can't put a time frame on something that has no time frame. That's what we got to stop doing. Time will fuck you up, too. Because people are always trying to put timelines on things. You know why? Because subconsciously it makes them feel comfortable. So if I can't put a beginning and an ending on something, I don't feel comfortable with the shit. So I got to make statements like, oh, back 100,000 years ago. So now I got a visualization. Oh, okay, so 100,000 years ago is an X amount of time. But if I say the word infinite, now niggas can't really grasp that unless they really go into deep thoughts and meditation. What really is infinite? Well, I mean, what really is that? Do you really know what that statement means? This is what the tablet is talking about, the infinite mind. There's no time frame on it. And the more you try to make it mortal, the less you're going to understand it. And we make it mortal by calling it God. That's where we make it mortal. As soon as you do that, what did it say in the beginning? By calling it God and giving it a name, you created another God. Anyway, your brothers want to swing in on that? Anybody want to? 
let's say. There's really not much you can say after that. I mean, that's said it all, so to say anything after that would be my ego trying to speak up. <laughs> anything yeah, that was pretty really powerful. Yeah, right. so I think I think we gave enough for tonight. I think we'll 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 marinate on that. Um, we'll continue this. Um, but again, I, I I think it speaks volumes. But again, reminder next week, um, real quick. I uh, know I said it in the middle of the show. I said it in the beginning of the show, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a notice again at the end of the show. Um, we have Brother Panic on next week. Last time he was on, we were on until two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. So I'm giving you the heads up. Pack a lunch. I have people that clocked out at 12 and <laughs> gone at 2, and we were still on the air, and they didn't know what the fuck was going on. It's a marathon when Brother Panic's on the show, and, and he told me straight up, five hours is nothing to him. It's like a blink of an eye. But, again, you know what that tells me? What we just talked about here. Time doesn't exist when you're vibrating on the correct spiritual frequency. That's why five hours to Brother Panic might feel like five minutes to him. Because he literally told me when he's talking, it literally feels like the flash of an eye. When he's done, he could be talking for six, seven, eight hours, but he feels like he was only talking for five, ten minutes. There's power in that if you meditate on that. We do the show, we feel the same way. We might be on the air two, three, four hours. It, it goes in the flash of an eye. Time holds no, no bind on anybody that's vibrating on a correct frequency. So we got Brother Panic next, next uh, Thursday, July 9th. Uh, 9 o'clock, so definitely tune in for that. Uh, before we go, brothers, quick closing statement, uh, contact information, whoever wants to go first, go ahead. All right. Ravana Noon, you can reach me at Ravana Noon, R-A-V-A-N-A-N-U-N, on Facebook. Uh, my email is also Ravana Noon at Outlook.com. And also on YouTube at Shadow Warrior. Also, I will be starting to teach classes soon, so contact me uh, if you are interested in any personal classes. And uh, all the other brothers are probably going to start doing the same. So, uh, just as as we said earlier, and as the Emerald Tablets of Tahuti, the Tahuti said, you are the creator of your reality, and you have to do the work to transform your per- your present existence to another state. Unless you do the work, unfortunately, there's nobody else that could do it for you. Don't be fooled, please. Let's, we say this all the time on the show. Do not be fooled by anybody that tells you that they can save you. They're fooling you because, sure, they can show you a, the door. They can show you a method, a technique. They can show you a way. But ultimately, if you don't apply the, the work, the technique, or walk through that door, there's no transformation that's going to happen. And if you think there is and you think somebody's going to do for you, you're a lazy-ass person. Get over yourself. <laughs> have to do the work and you have to be willing to transform a bunch of lazy ass niggas, brother. Yes. You have to trans be willing to transform your present mental state and transmute to a higher state of existence. If you don't, then you are really going to see that you are your worst own enemy. So get with it 
and do some work and stay in touch with us if that's what you choose. Peace. Brother, sorry, you want to give you a... Brother, sorry, Gidi. On Facebook, I'm known as Chakra Shakti Lifer. You can contact me on my Facebook page, Chakra Shakti Lifer. If you niggas don't know how to spell Chakra, C-H-A-K-R-A, Shakti, S-H-A-K-T-I, Lifer, nigga. And um, my email, A-N-W-A-R, the number 16, at yahoo.com. And you niggas can contact me at that email. And that's pretty much my contact. Soon I'm making a Sargidi page on Facebook. So it won't be too hard to find me. But um, that's it, niggas. Peace. Pretty appreciate it, brother. I just want to make an announcement. I, I changed my mind. I'm an incarnation of James Brown, so I'm changing that. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> Sister Vera, I know you're still there. Before you go, one last time, you can give your contact information and where to get your book, just so people that might have came in real late. Sure. Um, I'm on YouTube. I'm Vera747. On Facebook, I'm Vera Virus, or my book title, The Age of I Know, Unmasking the Magician. And you can find that title on Amazon for sale um, as my book as well. Okay, appreciate that. And just to give, appreciate it, sister, and then we definitely have to get you back on. I appreciate you coming on. Um, and just to give people the title of the book that we were using tonight for a reference, I suggest if you do not own this book, I suggest you get it, study it, and don't just study it, absorb it, and ingest it. The name of the book um, that we were taking information out of tonight is called The Emerald Tablet, Alchemy for Personal Transformation. The author is Dennis William Huck. Right? First name Dennis William, as is. The last name is spelled H-A-U-C-K. You can get this book. Just Google it on the Internet. You can get it Amazon, eBay, uh, Penguin Press is the company that puts it out. But if you Google, you can get it multiple places. Um, they have them actually on Amazon used for like eight, nine bucks. It's a dirt cheap book. Um, definitely get that. Another book I would recommend, another source we used when we were talking, of a lot of similarities to Sister Vera Courtney's book to show you the information that she has in her book, lines up with many different scholars and authors that have put out books on the same topic. Um, I had mentioned a book earlier, uh, Planet Gold, The Christian Forgery. That's written by a guy named Andre Paris, um, Andreas Paris, actually. First name is spelled A-N-D-R-E-A-S. The last name, just like the country, Paris, P-A-R-I-S. He just came out with another book, breaking down who the angel Michael is, um, connecting it to Murdoch and Anunnaki. That book just came out. Wow. Uh, this is a... This is a um, a, a guy, and I'm working on getting him on my show right now. He's an older gentleman. Um, he's based in Netherlands, a hard guy to get in contact with. Um, but he specializes in this field, too. And you're going to see a lot of the information that he uh, writes lines up almost word verbatim what uh, Sister Vera was talking about tonight and what's in her book. So definitely get her book and, and do your research and study. So these are some of the books that we were quoting from tonight. Um, and we like to give that information so, so you can go take the information and study and research for yourself. Um, my contact information, I know some of you on here already know, but for those that don't know, um, you can go on to YouTube, 
the channel on YouTube is Mother Nubia Inc. Two separate words, Mother Nubia, and then just type in INC. Um, you can there's videos on there. There's one that goes up every week. There's about I believe 30 videos on there now. I'm not sure. Um, then there's the uh, also the Mother Nubia um, Inc. Google page where all these shows are archived. Uh, we also have a Facebook page for the show. You can definitely go to that page, Awakening Universal Minds on Facebook. It keeps you updated on the show, on who the guests are going to be, who's coming on, what we got going on. We answer questions on there, comments. Um, you can contact all of us on that page. That's, that's the uh, page for the show. So definitely go check out the Facebook page, Awakening Universal Minds. Uh, you can also contact me on Facebook. It's Beniti. Amun Ray, B-A-N-I-T-I-A-M-U-N-R-E, three separate words. Um, I don't respond to everybody, and I'll be honest with you, it just depends on what you send me. Um, don't send me no religious questions because I delete them. I'm just sorry. That's just where I'm at. I just don't have the time and energy to stop and answer, answer some Jesus bullshit. I just don't waste my time with it. Um, don't take it personal. Um, do not send me pictures of you meditating, sitting in the lotus position and all that shit. I delete that shit, too. <laughs> I don't get it. Just like we were talking about earlier, it doesn't make sense, but I still get people sending me pictures meditating on rocks. and some niggas <laughs> sent me, I can't make this shit up. Some nigga sent me a picture of him sitting in the water with the water, like, up to his chest in the lotus position. I can't even make this shit up, brothers. <laughs> just, just don't, don't waste your time sending that to me. This, this is a bigger purpose. And like, like the brothers were saying earlier, what's the point of that? Are you doing that for your own personal ego? And that's why you'll see, if you don't know us personally, I do this intentionally. I, obviously, if you go to the, our YouTube pages, you see who we are. But I like not to put images on Facebook because – your very energy, people can feel your presence. So people get mystified by who is this person. You can obviously see us on YouTube, but you'll notice on the, on the pages for the show, there's no personal images of ourselves. The reason for that is we're not focusing the show. It's not about us. It's about the information and the show. So we don't feel the need to plaster our picture everywhere on the show because when you see Awakening Universal Minds, we want you to identify with the energy that's connected to it. Not to Brother Benici, not to Brother Ravana Noon, not to Brother Sargidi. You just see the show, and instamatically your consciousness connects with it. That's the reason why we don't have personal pictures on the show pages. People always ask us that. Well, why don't you brothers have your pictures on? Because we choose not to do that for that reason. Obviously, you see us on YouTube because that's personal. But the reason why is the show stands for itself. So we don't feel like we need to put pictures of ourselves on there holding hands in the inner circle chanting or some shit so people can feel spiritual and shit. Like <laughs> so Way in Egyptian robes and shit, nigga. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think maybe that's what we should do, brothers, get a, get a big-ass, like, multicolored dashiki, a big-ass, like, ridiculous clock on, <laughs> you know, and just sit on a mat or some shit and meditate and put that on the page or something. Start holding and shit and get, get these niggas' chakras activated. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think we've about covered everything. Uh, topic was good. Um, just, yo, pack a lunch, eat good before next week, because Brother Panic returns. And y'all know how that goes down. Anyway, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Once again, thanks to Sister Vera Courtney for joining the show this evening. Thank you. Um, appreciate it, sis, and much love and respect to my brothers. 
in spiritual warfare, my brother Sargidi, my brother Ravana Noon. The war continues even after we go off the air, brothers. Uh, but we'll see everybody next week. Same time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Spread the word. Peace and love to all the brothers and sisters in the Caribbean for tuning in. We're getting a lot of people from the Caribbean tuning in. and Definitely appreciate it. Glad we can reach the Melanated family in the Caribbean. Sorry about the not-so-great a connection. We don't have control over that. Uh, so hopefully maybe that signal will get stronger. But anyway, peace and love. Hotep, Asalamu Alaikum, Ham and Bacon, Shalom, all that good shit. Whatever you need to get you through tonight. And we'll see everybody next week. Peace. Peace. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.